Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hello. Oh, no audio. Oh, can't hear you. Good morning, Blake. Can you hear me? There you are. There you are. There, we're good. What do you got for us this morning? All right. So, um, court news. Let's get Mm. caught up a little bit. Okay. Have um, made a number of um, arrests and people that they're going to be um, charging. One gentleman will be appearing in court on Monday for having a bulletproof vest. So the public should be guided. Yeah. Wait, you're not allowed a bulletproof vest? No, no. Oh, really? not. Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the public should be guided by what you can and can't do in the Cayman Islands. Why would but you need a bulletproof vest? Yeah. Well, it's it's just like a firearm or bullets or anything else. If you require one, you need to get permission from the authorities. So hmm. um, most people, you know, only need a bulletproof vest if a gun's going to be coming in your direction, which means in this jurisdiction that you might know something that other people don't know about your life. <laughs> so hmm. um, at the end of the day, there might be circumstances where they actually approve it, but you have to go through the process of uh, putting in an application and getting approval. You can't just, it's illegal to even bring them in. So you can't just be walking out with a bulletproof vest. Doubtful uh, that he'll be appearing Monday though, just because of the impending storm. Yeah, may, maybe next week's court yeah. uh, will be a little bit different. Um, so that's one case. Uh, we also had a fake um, $100 bill being passed in uh, Cayman Brack. Hmm. So I've just noticed I've cracked my screen this morning on my phone. The the screen protector, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm dropping it like twice. But anyway. Um yes, so Cayman Brack, um, a gentleman has been picked up after passing a hundred dollar a fake a counterfeit hundred dollar bill. So remember, if for some reason you come into money that um is fake, you need to turn it in. Don't what spend if he didn't it. know though. What does he did he know? Well, I guess he would have to demonstrate that he didn't know. Obviously, he's been arrested, so the police believe that he knew. How do you demonstrate that? Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I pulled the money out of my wallet and handed it to the guy. I, I, I wouldn't know. I don't, I don't examine money. I don't either. If it looks, yeah, I guess, I guess you'd have to give them some sort of indication um, of where you got it from. Mm. You know, yeah, that's hard to. That's hard. Um, to yeah. So, I mean, I don't think where I got my money from. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, let's think about it for a second. I don't personally walk around with cash myself. So if I I got cash, the only place I would get it from is probably the bank or the ATM machine. That's Mm -hmm. true. Um, But if someone gave me like, like yesterday, I had to get some cash on behalf of chasing some people who were not uh, paying, you know, other people money that they owe them. And this guy had been really giving this poor guy in the Philippines a runaround. So I said, you know what, let me just um, expedite this and, and take the cash in hand. So I had, I was given, you know, $450 in cash. So if I now went somewhere and spent that um, and the police said to me, well, one of those $100 bills was counterfeit. I would say, well, go speak to Garth, <laughs> you know? I've heard, um, you, I've heard you talking about that story. So you're getting oh some money for the poor guy. Yeah, finally, $800 to go, and it's oh. it's like pulling teeth trying to get this guy to do the right thing. Look, people, don't pay <laughs> for your own work permit. It's not I up to know. you. Yeah, that's that's a good lesson, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, apparently he was a lot more people, though, is the sad part, because a lot more people uh, have come forward. What other, wow. um, what other court news you got for us? So we also have uh, a rape case. So DJ Renato, mm-hmm. uh, Renato Ronaldo Harris um, was in court last week and this week. And pretty much his case is, is done now. They're going to do closing arguments next week, I suppose, depending on, again, like you said, the weather and courtroom availability. 
but he's being um, accused of raping young la- a young lady that he, um, you know, saw in Obar um, and taking her home and sexually assaulting her not once but twice. Uh, once when she was allegedly in, in no condition to give consent. In other words, she was intoxicated um, on the night of. And then in the following morning when she woke up and she's like, what has happened to me? Um, you just had unprotected sex with me. Why would you do that? He turns around and holds her down. This is what the prosecution is alleging and raped her a second time. So, um, and the second time she was very much aware of what was going on and was protesting and screaming and crying. And, you know, then he tells her, oh, you're trying to make me out to be a monster. But anyway, the saddest thing of all is despite her taking the morning after pill, she ended up getting pregnant, Mm. which is just shocking. And she had to go um, to back to Canada in order to have an abortion. Jeez. Such a sad story. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And she what, was, um, you know, she, she was on a path to, um, you know, I can't divulge too much about her, but she was on a path to a really good profession and she's had to drop out of school, um, you know, get a lot of counseling and she was really, really distraught. And, uh, now she is an advocate, um, for rape victims. And here's the most amazing thing, right? I mean, you can tell when someone is really, really committed to holding um, their perpetrators or their alleged perpetrators to account. She could have testified from Zoom Link uh, from Canada, and instead she got on the plane and came to the Cayman Islands because she wanted to see him in person and look him in the eye as she gave her her testimony. So it's just, wow. yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah. So next week, um, the lawyers will be doing their closing arguments. He's being represented by um, Richie Barton and Keith Miles. And mm-hmm. I always forget, is it Miles or so Meyer? So you've seen uh, you've seen a lot of the testimony. Yeah. Um, you saw. Well, I saw him on the stand yesterday. Okay. And you saw the attempt of his attorneys to to get it thrown out. That apparently did not. Happen. Yeah. That, yeah. That didn't work. Okay. Um, and then, so what is yeah. your after? You know, if you're a juror. Uh, yeah. and thankfully you- it's not a jury trial because he vacated, this is interesting strategy, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know, but he vacated, uh, they'd gone through the process of like, you know, selecting juries, whatever. And at the 11th hour, he decided to vacate the jury and go with a judge alone. And based on what I see, I would be seen guilty if I was a judge. Mm. Wow. And there's the- a lot of elements to his story that he couldn't remember during his police interview. And he claims that, oh, it's because he was nervous and, you know, in this state of shock when he's being interviewed by the police, and it's how like, was well, he uh, on the stand yesterday? Was he uh, was he believable or he was? No, he wasn't believable to me. <laughs> I mean, in fact, you know, where I sit, I sit pretty close to defendants, um, where the kind of like the media boxes, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was looking at him. I was looking at his demeanor, uh, doing a little bit of amateur body <laughs> body language reading. And I can tell you that he wasn't believable to me at all. And there were t- there were times when he did he kept doing something that was interesting. And I've seen people do this before. You know, when I walk into a courtroom, people pay attention. And it's interesting because even the, even the bailiffs are like, "Oh my God, Sandy, did you see the look on this defendant's face?" So some people are more worried about me being there than other people. Um, but you definitely see a marked and a very different response when I show up because they're like, oh, shoot, came, CMR is going to be covering this. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that throughout his testimony, when he would say something that was totally a lie, in my opinion, he would then look at me as though he was trying to convince me of the lie. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm not the one you need to convince here, honey, Jill. You know, I'm not the one that's going to send you down the river. What is the the penalty for, what what is the penalty he he may be facing? You know, rape is going to get you a good couple years in jail for sure. 
couple. And, uh, I heard I heard twelve years. Needs to be more than probably, a I was gonna say probably ten to twelve years. I would think. Yeah. Wow, it better be. Wow, yeah, it's longer. It should be mm. forever. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a messed up situation for sure. Um, and there's so many details that come out during the trial that you know it was incredibly interesting. We try to capture it. Obviously, a story can only be so long. Um, and we do in this program sometimes dissect certain cases uh, just because, you know, I think people need to be sort of cognizant and aware. And there's so many lessons, I think, as well for young women that it's just sad, but you cannot trust guys, especially when you're toxic intoxicated. And, you know, take a friend and have one sober friend that is responsible for helping you make a good decisions because these guys, a lot of these guys have no good intent towards you. And it's so sad. Mm -hmm. So we'll delve into it uh, a little bit this morning, honey chill. All right. Right on Bobo, 89.1. That's it. Also the big story this weekend, too. Uh, it looks like we're going to get a hurricane Sunday yes. night. Yes, we are so watching. We, uh, likely we won't uh, be on with you Monday morning. We'll probably be in simulcast mode. So, yes. um, you know. No worries. We'll probably be live streaming ourselves about the weather. You yeah. and your family uh, stay safe and uh, we'll likely just uh, speak to you on Tuesday. All right. Sounds good. All right. Our segment with CMAR brought to you exclusively. All right. Good folks. So we're going to kick it off. Uh, we really have already kicked it off. It's 733. But let's go ahead and formally play our intro song for our radio folks. Good morning, Bobo. Good morning, TD. Peppermint, sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold, hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. All right, folks. Um, happy Friday. Hard to believe it's Friday already, but it is Friday. So good um, to see you guys. Let me just mute. I'm aware that some of my apps are ping a linging, ping, ping, ding, ling in the background. Uh, that's all my chat conversations that I have open. Um, so good morning, one, and good morning, all. We got a lot to talk about this morning, including the weather. So as uh, Blake just pointed out, the weather is um, something that we're watching because this storm. Looks like it's aiming right for us. Yeah, buddy. What a ting, what a ting, I tell you. Mm, mm, mm. I was really, really hopeful. You know, the, the tropics were so quiet. I was like, oh, maybe we won't, we won't get anything this year. And we can just be like, um, you know, yeah, just kind of watching it. And, and we're watching it, all right. And um, everybody's watching it is the situation. Uh, we got Cayman Airways sending out advisories that they're, they're watching the storm and their flights uh, may be impacted by the storm. Um, I think Kevin was actually coming in this weekend. I don't know if he's going to be able to come again, depending on, on where the storm is at, I suppose. Um, so we're all very much uh, watching what this does, because even if it's just a low-level hurricane, meaning, you know, Hurricane 1, um, Category 1, this is still 
has the potential to be um, quite uh, catastrophic for us this morning. So um, I was at the grocery store briefly yesterday. You guys do know that I do not like grocery shopping. I'm not sure if I told you this or not. But the one kind of shopping I don't like in Cayman is grocery shopping. <laughs> it's so strange because I, 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 I am a shopper up to a certain point. You know, like I, I like bargain shopping and stuff like that. So when I go to the States, I like to go and find me a good bargain. But uh, grocery shopping is somewhat painful. <laughs> not, not, not to say anything about the pricing. I just don't, I don't know. I'm just not into grocery shopping. Um, in the States, it was a little bit better because there's like humongous grocery stores with so many things to just look at. I haven't been in a grocery store in the States in many, many years. Um, I've been to like a Walmart that had a grocery store, but I don't normally go in that side of the store. <laughs> I just don't go over there. Um, what I normally do is uh, stick on the side with all the other stuff. So yeah, we are watching the storm. Um what can I tell you, except as we said, I believe it was on Tuesday that Kevin was on, uh, or Wednesday, what day was that? The days are just going by so quickly. You just really, really need to be prepared. Yeah, this this could be the one that we're watching. I'm going to pull up a screen here in a second to show you what's happening in the tropics, and we'll watch a little video um, <clears throat> on what's going on here with this. But the the trajectory right now has us has us right in its path. Uh, so no bueno, no bueno. Okay. Yes, my dear. Mm, mm, mm. Get your batteries, get your food stock. Um, because, you know, hopefully nothing catastrophic, but um, you might need a couple days of supplies. So this is kind of what we're looking at out there at the moment. <clears throat> Really, really trying to see if I can't close out these ads. These ads can be so, so annoying. But yes, um, it's 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 something to view for sure. So where are we? See this? Oh, let me zoom out here. This is a um, satellite um, of the world, and this is our region. And we are right here. Look at that. Damn. I mean, right in its path. Look at how it's, it's zigzagging all over the place. Zigging, zagging. And then it goes... Close these stupid ads. Um, and then it, it kind of like curves very, very sharply at this point. And when it's projected to be over us, we're looking at 120 um, kilometers per hour. Can somebody transfer that into miles per hour? Because I don't understand kilometers. Um, what is that in miles per hour, please? There's Jamaica. So it looks like currently Jamaica might be um, projected to get the outer bands of the system. And uh, we are going to get a little bit more of um, direct impact, as you can see. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. There, there we are. They finally puts, puts us on, that's our three little islands right there. They finally put us on the map a little bit. But um, this is not good. No bueno. <sighs> so what are we going to do? We're going to hunker down, keep it live and direct. Um, projections are for that to be happening like, uh, so 120 kilometers, Kevin said is about 75 miles per hour. That's still a little bit of a, um, you know, that's, that's, that's something to be mindful of. So I see my, I see my WhatsApp people saying no show this morning. 
So somehow I managed to drop my phone twice this morning. It just kept falling out of my hand, yeah. And it looks like my screen protector now has all those lines in it. So I want to tr probably try and get that changed soon because that's that's my saving grace. I must tell you, that, you know, these old phones, Charlie, can cost a pretty penny, these iPhones. But um, they really... Uh, they really seem to hold up. And my phones are always in immaculate condition. Like every time I upgrade, you know, I try to sell the existing phone. Not try to, I always sell it. Because everybody's like, yes, I want your phone. Because I keep them in such good condition. They always have on a case. They always have on a screen protector. And not a scratch. And I keep all my original boxes and everything. So you're like getting such good value. I think I want to get the iPhone 14. Because I hear the camera. I've been watching some... YouTube videos and stuff. And the camera is like next level off the chain. That's the garbage truck y'all just heard go by. I don't know if you heard that loud noise in my ear, but um, looks like they're late this morning. Late? Don't they normally come on Thursdays? Okay. Well, today's Friday. Let me peep out the window and see if that's them. Hold on. Yes, that is them. They're late this morning. I wonder what happened. They're supposed to do a Thursday pickup, not a Friday pickup. But anyway, they're probably out there like everybody else rushing around trying to get the last bits of garbage off the street. Folks, there are things that you need to be doing right now in preparation for the storm. You need to ensure that your gutters are cleared. Um, drains around your house. I know that the authorities are out and about. There's supposed to be a community meeting with the police this evening, came and back. They have um, canceled that meeting. And so um, everyone is just in preparation mode at this particular point in time. Have your personal food stock supplies. Thanks for the HSA. They were listening to the program when we had Kevin on the other day. And they have said that, um, you know, anytime a storm is pending, you can get an extra two weeks worth of medication. So if you need um, some extra meds or anything, you go to the HSA. Does mean longer lines. And they have been extremely busy. because, of course, now everybody's like, oh, let me top up my meds. So if you need to do that, uh, by all means, please get that done as well. So uh, as indicated, Cayman Airways has issued a notice to say that they are watching, like everybody else, this Tropical Depression 9. And, um, you know, any development, you need to make sure if you have travel plans that you keep abreast of what the airline is doing. Because Cayman Airways is not going to be flying in 70 mile per hour winds, folks. There's a time when they have to um, stop uh, all services and secure the planes as best they can. And so they are monitoring the progression of this active tropical wave currently located over the southeastern Caribbean Sea as it relates to any potential impacts on the airline's flight operations for early next week. Due to the potential of severe weather um, that could be issued, you know, well, they issued a severe weather notification yesterday for the Cayman Islands by the National Weather Service, Cayman Airways is offering a one-time change fee. Pay attention, folks. Y'all listening? They're offering a one-time change fee for people who um, are traveling. And um, they have some stipulations. I'm going to send this to Renee so she can put this up on the website. So if you meet the criteria, they will be happy to uh, change your, um, your ticket for you one time. Yeah? So... Um, I'll tell her to publish this ASAP from Cayman Airways so that everybody's aware of that. Uh, what else we got for you? So we'll get a, a weather update here in a second. Um, so they issued yesterday morning at 4 p.m. 
a potential severe weather notification. So the Cayman Islands National Weather Service has said that they're continuing to monitor this active tropical wave over the southeastern Caribbean and the disturbance is forecast to move over the Western Caribbean in the next five days. It's likely to become a tropical depression as it moves into the area more favorable um, and that makes it more favorable for development. So regardless of the system, they're saying that the latest forecast information indicates that there's a high potential for the system to impact the Cayman Islands early next week. That would be like Monday, Tuesday, yeah? So um, the grocery stores were restocking last night. I, I ended up going, although I don't like to grocery shop. I ended up going, gro- uh, hmm. I ended up going to the grocery store and um, it wasn't too bad. You know, I've heard you guys saying over the last couple of days, people have been like shopping like crazy and, you know, all this ugh, just grabbing stuff and it's been a bit crazy. So yesterday, Foster's in Savannah, in fact, really wasn't that bad. So um, mind you, I didn't really pick up any hurricane supplies. <laughs> I was just like, uh, what did I get? I can't remember. Oh, I got a bunch of like bath stuff. Um, i trying to remember what else I got. I got some coconut water, a couple salads. I can't even remember what else I got. Turkey bacon. My daughter wanted cherries, but they didn't have any cherries. So that, that was the whole reason I went to the grocery store. I had no intentions of going. And she's like, I want to go to the grocery store. And I was like, really? She doesn't really ask to go to the grocery store often, but she wanted some cherries yesterday. So we went and they did not have any. Diamond Princess, Ervalyn, Wee Wee, Miss Debbie. Sujit is here. Says you might need the jacket for the impending storm. Um, Miss Daisy. Sophia, TGIF indeed. Scott's got it locked. Scott, are we having curry chicken today? Curry chicken cone at Waffle Monkeys. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Cameron's a CMR debt collection agency. Oh, Lord. You know, um, as one of, I'll tell you a joke, Cameron. I used to do a little bit of debt collection. I had very, um, I chose my clients wisely. But I used to do it for, for companies, really. Not individuals, because individuals can get so messy. But um Let's just say that even before I had CMR, <laughs> it was very, very effective when I called somebody on the phone and be like, oh, you owe money. And they're like, oh, I'm going to pay it right now. <sighs> uh, yeah, this dude, Garth, is next level. When I tell you some people just not write in, can you know what I mean by that? They just not write in. And this dude is a straight up, Jamaicans would say what, he's, he's a general, Gino, whatever. Crook, con artist, that type of thing. That's that's the total vibes that you get from this dude because he was giving this man a run around. Remember, this was like two weeks ago that we called him on the show and then he hung up the phone and, you know, but he's been promising that he's going to pay the money. Last week, Friday, he's supposed to pay $1,000. It went from $1,000 to, oh, only $500. And then it went from $500 to, oh, I only have um, $450. I'm like, dude, do yourself a favor and don't have CMR put you up, put you up on a permanent basis on the website. Because once you go up on the website, you're not coming down. Do yourself a favor because you owe too many people money. Because Ace is not the only victim out there. A number of others have reached out to us about uh, as well about Garth. What, the, what you're doing when you take people's money for an intended purpose and you don't actually fulfill that intended purpose 
whether it's a work permit or anything else, that is called fraud. It is theft. And the police, in my opinion, needs to stop talking about, oh, this is a civil case and start taking some of y'all behind the court. This person says, please, can you call Ruth Anna then? <laughs> Hello, how many times do we have to do that? And the thing is, once we call out Ruth Anna, as we did with the helper, I bet you the helper got her money, but you all have to stop being afraid of Ruth Anna. And you need to come on the platform, tell your story, show your receipts, because only you know the story and have the receipts. You need to step up to the plate and, um, <clears throat> and do that, right? When you do that, she will find, your, she will find money. If she even has to um, get on a pole and start twerking it. Okay. You can find your money. Y'all just need to step up to the plate and stop playing with this girl. That's the problem. If you let someone, listen, when people see a jackass or they think they see a jackass or a fool and they can ride you, of course they can ride you forever. You know anybody that you could owe five, 10, 15, $20,000 to for years and never pay it and not even collect any interest? Oh, TD, not in this lifetime. I wish. I wish I could go to the bank and be like, oh, give me $25,000 interest-free. That's your money. You better get on it. Romelia, good morning, honey chill. How are you? Have a blessed day. Miss Anne joining us in Fort Walton. Is that Texas? Um, Fort Walton Beach. Where's Fort Walton Beach? Melita's here. Miss June, good morning. Aliano got it locked. Felicia, Gina. Aliana says, go tie down. Um, it's coming for us. Yes, and that's the other thing too, speaking of tie down, you need to make sure that whatever stuff is like around your house is properly secured. Um, we don't have too much in the yard that, well, you know, seven mile pond, not gonna move a lot actually. <laughs> but um, one of the things that we do have is we have a little net that is a, um, like my little pickleball net that I have in the yard. That's very, very lightweight, and it's not actually affixed to anything. So anything that can be a flying, you know, missile, go tie it down and secure it. If you got coconut trees, now is the time, folks, to go and shake them down. Take all the coconuts down off the tree. Call that coconut man who's been begging you for your coconuts and say, come, come now. Um, you know, we've got a couple days' notice. At least that's the thing about hurricanes is we tend to get a couple days' notice that it's coming in our direction so we can adequately prepare. Um, so tie down whatever you need to on the yard. Good morning to Richard and Celine. Amiria is here. TGIF, Miss Ravina. Ingrid is also here. Good morning to staff. Haven't seen you in a minute. Marshall says, definitely came out as in the path of the storm. Be ready and prepared for whatever will be. Paul, how are you? Uh, Paul says, Hurricane Fiona passed Bermuda at 5 a.m. AST with high winds, not much rain. No reports of any injuries. Over 22,000 customers without power was one of the lucky ones that still have power. Are, are they still without power now, um, Paul? Uh, TCI also fared pretty well with Fiona um, in terms of like no deaths or anything like that. Good morning, Star. Damien. Uh, KK says 14 getting mines today. 14 getting your what? I'm not connecting that to where we were. Good morning. John says it's time to pray. Shall, you know, God must be, he, you know, he must have a lot of patience because he's like, oh, they only praying when they need something. <laughs> Ooh, give thanks every day, y'all. Stephen, morning. Louie, how are you? 
Louis sends his love from Detroit. Caymanian living abroad. Good morning to Dana. Uh, Dana says, looking good as always. Stay safe this weekend. Yes, honey, chill. Dean, Miss Dean is here. Damien says, after it passes Jamaica, it can be a cat one. Well, you know, these storms can develop very, very quickly. And I think this is where um, you need to be very, very careful. So it's Sonia's birthday today. Hi, Sonia. We got you, girl. Happy birthday. Tracy's here. Carmelie is here. Olivia. Gino. Is that how you pronounce it? Gino? Uh, Christine, good morning. Bobette, how are you? Watching and listening from Jamrock. Good morning, my darling. Uh, Garth, who again? Child, please. Jonathan says it's going to be a hurricane. Don't take it lightly. Just before Ivan came here, it was a cat one over Jamaica. Then by the time it reached Cayman, it was a cat five. So yes, they definitely um, can develop extremely quickly this time of year, especially September the 23rd. Fort Walton is Florida. Oh, hmm. Fort Walton Beach. What part of Florida is that? That's on the, what coast? Is that over like by Melbourne area? Like I'm not too familiar with that part of um, of Florida. Mitzi. Oh, the iPhone 14. Yes, girl. It's not, I don't know if it's in Cayman yet. Um, but they've got it in the US of A. I have my sources checking for me. Um, online, like pre-orders, they're out already. But um, I got I got people. I got people. Amjad says, can we talk about the sex offenders registry? Yes, uh, still waiting for something to be done on that front. But um, I'm watching this government to see if they're actually going to do anything about that. It's one of the things that I would really want to see them address. Long overdue. Yeah. So let's talk about this court case a little bit. We can talk about it a little bit because it's not a jury trial. It is a judge alone. So we don't have any fears of influencing um, a jury pool, right? So, you know, normally defendants, if you're talking about it in public, um, you have to um, be mindful of the fact that you could potentially be impacting the jury. And there are people who've had a trial vacated for that reason because, oh, you know, CMR was talking about it. And so um, in this case, you know, these are very, very disturbing allegations. And um, I am, if I were the judge, he would be found guilty just in what I've heard. Like I said, people do really strange things when they're not being honest. And I, I, I'm a people watcher. Like I like to watch people and I like to watch people's behavior. And one of the things that this guy does every time, not well, when he's being dishonest, he has a tendency to look at me. So the, the prosecution is putting questions to him or his defense lawyer is putting questions to him. And honey Chow, when she asks him certain questions, I see the dude looking at me and I'm like, why are you looking at me? It's not me that you have to convince. I mean, I will have my own opinion. (laughs) 
you know, but uh, I'm I'm not the one who's going to convict you. I mean, I'm not the judge. You're in the hands of the judge, honey, Jill. But I cannot believe that anyone would take advantage of um, a woman when she's intoxicated. Let me be very clear. If a woman is in no position to say yes to you, that means it's a no. Don't have sex with intoxicated people. Now, men, this is probably going to sound crazy to you because some of y'all think that drunk sex is the best sex. If a woman is intoxicated or drunk, she cannot give you consent. And the equivalent of not being able to give you consent is you've actually just sexually assaulted her. You've raped her. Right? Now, in his head, he claims that, no, she was into it. You know, oh, she was kissing me, kissing for supposedly 10 minutes. I was like, what kind of Ross kiss fest this was? Like, there's even elements of his story that I'm just like, dude, this don't make no damn sense. And y'all be kissing for 10 minutes? Y'all into that much kissing these days? What the hell? I mean, you might be doing other things, but 10 minutes worth of kissing? Jeez, I'm peace. Your poor lips would be about ready to fall off. But that's what he claims, that they were at um, Burger Shack because... The young lady expressed that she was hungry and they were at Burger Shack in the parking lot kissing for 10 minutes. I'm so sure. Um, I guess that's the only version of foreplay that he could come up with in his head kissing for 10 minutes. But anyway. So, um, yes, he then proceeded to take her to his residence in Swamp. And uh, KK says people barely kiss for 10 seconds, much less 10 minutes. So he takes her to his place in Swamp and apparently has sex with her. There were things his lawyer, um, and you know, Mr. Keith, he, he takes a lot of the undesirable cases, Keith Miles. So he gets a lot of the pedophiles, speaking about the sex registry. He gets a lot of pedophiles and a lot of rapists and nobody else wants to take those cases a lot of times. So he's kind of like the local attorney that's going to take those kind of cases, right? I don't know what kind of success rate he has, Honey Chell, but he he gives it his best shot, I must say. So he's asking questions of the defendant, um, like, you know, specifically, like, what happened and what did you do then? And like, very, very detailed, because he's like, listen, we weren't there. So you have to be able to tell the judge or jury precisely what happened. And so I was listening, and at one point, <clears throat> he talked about, oh, they were undressing each other. And he said, what do you mean by that? Undressing each other, how? And then he said something like, um, he she was wearing a dress, but he he doesn't remember if she was wearing a bra or a panty. And I'm thinking to myself, how can you not remember? Either you were too drunk yourself or something else going on here. But if you're if you're having an uh sexual intercourse with someone for the first time, right? How do you not remember if they had on underwear? To me, that's just so weird. It's so random, but it's so weird. Because for me, I would definitely remember an encounter with someone who wasn't wearing underwear. I mean, normally people wear underwear. So I don't know. I don't know what you guys are into. I don't know how many people you're having sex with. Like maybe you have sex with thousands of people, so you don't remember anything. I mean, I don't know. But if you can remember that she was wearing a dress... Shouldn't she be able to remember she's wearing underwear? Like, it was very bizarre. He's like, oh, I can't remember if she's wearing a bra or a panty. And I was like, what the hell? 
Anyway, the way that he described it after that, he's like, oh, um, you know, she was supposedly undressing him. And then he he put her dress over her head. And I'm thinking, no, Bobo, that, that don't kind of sound right either. Because if you are having, um, you're about to have sex with someone, you don't put the dress over their head. You either take the dress off completely, or I mean, if this is a quickie situation, you don't need it to go up that high. So what I envisioned in my mind was someone like putting over your head because there was probably some level of like restraint or unconsciousness about the person like that. To me, that did not paint a very good picture. So I was kind of like, huh? Hmm. Anyway, um, the short of it is she wakes up in the morning and she's like, what just happened here? Because you're in some strange man's bed. You don't know how you got there. He says he woke up and found her awake. Uh, she said she was distraught. She's like, what happened? Did you have sex with me? And more importantly, this was unprotected sex. And this was a young lady who was on a professional path, um, you know, a student, um, had her hopes and dreams of a certain type of career in life. And um, yeah, he, he told her yes. Now he claims, his version of the story is, he said yes to her and she was really upset because she's like, you know, she can't get pregnant. She's a student, this, that, the next thing. So he kept focusing and hyper-focusing on um, the fact that, you know, she was upset about being pregnant as opposed to being upset that you just sexually assaulted her. So those are the two differences, right? She's like, I was upset because this man just raped me and he just admitted to using no protection. That's a problem. And um, he's like, no, 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 no. She was just upset about being, about getting pregnant. Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. She started immediately asking, like, she needs to go to the pharmacy to get the um, the plan B, which is called the morning after pill. And um, then the, the stories kind of diverge because then he claims that after being so upset about this, that she actually consented to having sex with him again, which I don't, I don't, I do not see that. To me, I was like, why? You just said she was upset. She was concerned. She wants to get to the pharmacy. And you claim the pharmacy doesn't open on a Saturday until 10 o'clock. That's a friggin' lie. Pharmacies and Cayman open like six, seven o'clock in the morning, even on a Saturday. So even when he said that, like he was waiting, they're waiting until the pharmacy opened. I'm like, that's a friggin' lie. No pharmacy in Cayman opens 10 o'clock on a Saturday. Saturday is the day that they open up early because they'd be like, oh, people all week might not have been able to get to us. Now they're coming. Let's open at six and seven o'clock in the morning. So she says that he then held her down and assaulted her a second time. It's bad enough to be assaulted when you were drunk and you can't really remember all the details. But then to have someone hold you down again and allegedly rape you a second time when you're saying no and you're screaming and trying to fight them off, that's a problem. And then he has the audacity to tell her about, baby, you're, you're, you know what feels so good. So after that happened, the woman goes and stands in the corner and is hysterical and is crying. So then he's like, okay, I'll take you to go get your, your pill now. Wow. Man, if he goes down the river, I'm telling you, that river going to be a long ass ride. So um, she goes to the bathroom to try to clean herself up. And she's like, this man's sheets were filthy. Oh, my God. You know, as a person who's a little bit of a germaphobe, I cannot imagine 
One of the first things you do when you go to a guy's house is you see how clean he is. And if he was not a clean person, you're probably not going to want to even kiss this guy or engage in anything. She said the sheets were filthy. Who sleeps on filthy sheets? Well, wash your damn sheets. But of course, his lawyer's like, you know, what, when did you clean your house last? Oh, well, we have a helper that comes every two weeks. I'm like, you know how much dirt accumulates in two weeks in a house with three people? Um, and she had just come because it was like the 14th of the month. So she had just come. I was like, mm-hmm. The woman's like, there was urine in the, on the toilet. There was no toilet paper in the bathroom. It was just disgusting. So he claims that she had time to shower and freshen up and all kind of stuff. She's like, no, she just wanted to get the hell out of there and went outside while I guess he got ready so he could take her to the pharmacy. He takes her to the pharmacy. This part, there's no dispute about it. He actually took her to the pharmacy. And um, I'm guessing she didn't have a wallet or whatever on her. I don't know. And paid for the plan B pill. She spoke to the pharmacist. So one of the things in his mind is like, well, if I really had done something to her when she spoke to the pharmacist, why didn't she say something to the pharmacist? And I was like, you guys are so stupid when it comes to rape and understanding the psychology of a victim. You know, she was in her mind still processing what just happened to her. She's not necessarily going to run to the first stranger and be like, oh, this man who's now buying me this plan B pill just raped me. Call the police right now. So um, what ended up happening is she blocked him on her phone and um, she was supposed to sit an exam the following week. She was so distraught that she was not able to sit her exam and her professor wanted to know why she couldn't sit the exam. And that is when she felt, um, you know, comfortable enough speaking to someone to say that this is what happened to me and I'm really struggling with this. I'm having a really hard time. So they got her into some counseling and uh, she was able to do an examination, a physical exam. And then she finds out in early August, this happened like mid, uh, what was the date? June or July, July 14th. Then she finds out that she's actually pregnant for a guy who just raped her. Can you, can you imagine? So she messages him and says, dude, you are such a POS. I have just found out that I'm pregnant after peeing in a stick twice because she was in such a state of shock and disbelief. And she's like, don't you ever talk to me again if you ever see me anywhere because they didn't have that kind of relationship. This isn't, a, this isn't a relationship where they were like friends, like always messaging, close and hanging out. It wasn't like that at all. They were practical strangers to each other. And she basically said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but if I were to have this child, you would never see this child. The child would never have your name. Don't you even think of ever contacting me? Um, you're a horrible person. And she went on to say in the WhatsApp messages, I hope that you never bring this much pain to another woman. And then he, um, the prosecution says, he then starts to do what's called gaslighting, where he wants to be the victim. And so in his attempts to be the victim, he says to her, well, we were both drunk. Um, why, why are you trying to make me into the monster? So he doesn't deny having sex with this woman, but his version of, of how it happened is different. So he, he says in a text message where we were both drunk, but understand he's saying that um, she was fully sober and wasn't drunk. But your text message said something totally different. There were things in his police interview that he didn't say. And people, let me tell you something. If the police ever arrest you, you have a right to an attorney. 
Most of you need the attorney. Believe me, you. The thing that you do not want to do is to omit to say something in your police interview that helps your defense in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of people omit to say it because it's not true. They omit to say it because they are making it up. Right? So later on, they come up with, oh, well, this sounds better. So one of the things that he omitted to say was that his father and son were home that night. Well, it's good for you to now get on the stand and say that when there's no way to verify that. And, and the prosecution said to him, oh, okay. So um, your father will be testifying to say he was home that night? No, 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 no. My dad can't testify. Why can't your dad testify? Keep in mind this happened in 2018. So the father probably wouldn't even remember where he was at necessarily on a particular night. Um, the other thing he forgot to say is that, oh, that morning that he supposedly took her to Burger King because now he's trying to be like a Don Juan. Um, like, you know, oh, yeah, I took her for a nice breakfast, a Burger King breakfast to make up for it. Like, you know, oh, I took her to the Ritz. Well, I took her to Burger King because that's ghetto style. So she was at least fed. Um, what else did he forget? There was something else that he forgot to mention. He also forgot to mention, hold on. Um, there's there a few other things that he did not bring up. So when you talk about who's more believable in their story, I mean, oh yes, he forgot to tell the police. Listen to this important thing. And I see some of you trying to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. Real deal said maybe... Maybe she was hoping for an anchor baby. No, honey child. You wouldn't have an anchor baby with him. People got babies with him right now that he don't even support. But um, no. Uh, Ms. Darlene says, I feel the time she reached the pharmacy, she could have let them know right then and there. I don't condone this rape business if it was me. But you see, this is why, because you don't understand the psychology of victims. It took, it took her a whole week. And sometimes it takes people way longer than that to be able to come to terms with what has actually happened to them and to speak to someone about it. Listen, if you've never been a victim, and I can say, thankfully, I've never been a victim. Thank God, right? But I've spoken to enough victims to know that everyone has a very different and individualized response. And there's so many factors that play into it. She's a foreign national in this country, she's just a student here, right? She doesn't have her family here. She doesn't have any sort of real support system. There could be a million reasons why she does not feel comfortable telling the Jamaican pharmacist at healthcare pharmacy that I was just raped. A million reasons why she would not be comfortable in that moment divulging that information. So, now part of his defense is that she wanted money from him. That she told him she needed money for a ticket and she needed money to get an abortion. So I guess now that's why she's going to claim that you raped her. And I was like, say what? <laughs> that would even make no sense. So again, the prosecution put to him, if that was the case, why didn't you mention it during your police interview? That's a pretty big deal. That, oh, this is just a shakedown for money because she wanted a free trip back home and a free abortion? What the hell? And he's like, oh, you know, I didn't think about it. And the police said, I mean, the, the prosecution said, 
because he claims that he was nervous and anxious or whatever during the police interview. So there's certain very critical pieces of information that he forgot to mention. Not one thing, but multiple things. So the prosecution says, right. So um, you've actually, have you ever been interviewed before by the police? And he says, no. And when he said no, my mouth dropped wide open. This guy has spent time in jail before, which means that he would have been subjected to police interview during that whole situation. Come to find out, he was subjected to at least two police interviews in 2015 and 2016. So that was a lie on the stand. And then he, he tried to backtrack and said, no, I meant in relation to this case. She said, that wasn't the question. <laughs> the question I asked you is, have you ever? Well, Olive, 99% of the pharmacists in Cayman are, are Jamaican pharmacists. We have friends <laughs> who are pharmacists. Uh, our good friend, he's almost like a cousin in Jamaica. His sister's here working in Jamaica as a pharmacist at Trinke. We get a lot of her pharmacists from Jamaica. I don't think that's a thing of dispute. It's, it's a fact. Not every single pharmacist, but I know for a fact that the ones at Value Med are from Jamaica because I go to Value Med all the time. Um, so, and I've got, there's Krista, there's, um, well, oh no, Krista's not at that one anymore. Krista's at the Grand Harbor one. Um, but yeah, that's where they're from. So, um, this is an interesting story about the, the money situation, because in fact, what she had to do was call her parents for them to send her money. Right. So they paid for her fare. He has no evidence of what he says, by the way. So then he claims that, oh, well, messages and the chain of um, the WhatsApp messages, because they produce WhatsApp messages, that the WhatsApp messages have been tampered with, like she's deleted stuff. And they, oh, okay. And again, in your police interview, you didn't say, because they would have showed you these messages, you never said, oh, messages are missing. Because he claims that he called her the morning and they had a 45-minute conversation. What would you be talking about for 45 minutes? This girl is like beyond distraught and she's going to have a 45-minute conversation with you as though the two of you were in some kind of relationship and you need to talk it through. She's WhatsApping you and telling you, don't you ever talk to me again. You know when people get really pissed off, they're like, if you see me on the street and I'm walking on this side, you better step over on the other side. That's what kind of what this was like. This wasn't, oh, call me. You know, let's talk it through. Like, I'm really thinking about keeping this baby there. I mean, she said, you know, in the first instance, like, whatever I do, you will never have any contact with me. Or if I were to have this child, you'd never have any contact with this child. This child would never have your name. You know, that those are the types of messages that she was sending. And you want us to believe that you then picked up the phone and called her and had a 45-minute conversation with her. So as it turns out, the prosecution put to him, well, abortions in Canada are free. So why would she be asking you for abortion money? He's like, oh, I didn't know that. You might want to check your storyline before you start telling certain stories. So it's very, very interesting, but his story doesn't add up in a lot of different ways. What he told the police and what he's now saying on the stand, and here's the thing about it, folks. In the Cayman Islands, uh, a number of years ago, we adopted something called an adverse inference. What that means is, during your police interview, 
if you neglect to say something, right, that could help your defense during your police interview, and then you come back at the stage of the police interview and bring it forward, the judge and or jury can look at that in an adverse manner. So what that means is they can use that against you and say, the reason why you didn't bring it up is because you're now lying. You're now fabricating this part of your story and uh, there is no truth to it. You're now just saying that because you've had years to think about what your narrative is gonna be. And let me say this, as someone who has done a number of police interviews myself, right? It is possible that you might not remember everything. He had the benefit of legal advice before. He had the benefit of, he said, he got arrested like eight o'clock in the morning. They didn't interview him until some four or five hours later. So he was sitting in a cell. He claims that he was in such a state of shock. So it's not like they picked him up and five minutes later, they're conducting an interview. He'd been sitting, waiting in lockup for five hours to probably sort out a lawyer, talk to his lawyer, talk to the police, you know, be, inter be formally interviewed. So he had time to consider and try to remember the chain of events in terms of what happened. You do not forget critical things about potential people who could be an alibi for you, such as your father was home, right? You don't forget to mention when you look at text messages, oh, this isn't the complete conversation. I called her and there's much more. Go to flow, get the records. Those are the types of things because that is corroborating evidence that in real time people can get. When you wait years, that information disappears. CCTV footage is no longer available. So it's not going to be a situation where, you know, years later, you can just make up whatever you want on the stand and people are going to be like, oh, yes. Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Because all these things that he forgot to tell the police must really be true. In fact, I'm going to give you all an example of how, how the mind works during a police interview. So years ago, you guys know I've been, me and the police have been line dancing and swirling around for a minute. So one, one interview, they, they, these are all the cases that they've lost. They've lost, you know, so many cases. I, I lost count. But this was the one with the Nation Building Fund with McKeever Bush. God, if I knew what I know now, I'm like, some people, everything they do, there's a mix up. So you just avoid it by not even, you know, oh, God, and they say hindsight is 2020 for sure. But anyway, I didn't do anything wrong. So, um, you know, they came to me making all sorts of allegations. Um, oh, you know, issuing certificates and this, that, and next thing. You know, the judge threw the case out, right, in the end. So during the police interview, they said something to me. And I said to them, um, you know, I didn't have an opportunity to, like, go through emails and all this kind of stuff. But I said, you know, as I recall, and again, this is years later, so you don't necessarily recall everything. And I said, but as I recall, I would have told the premier, he was premier at the time, I would have told his office that, that what they're asking for, right, which were the certificates, I wouldn't have had because the course wasn't done yet. And so it wasn't logical, but, you know, I, I'm sure I would have told them that. You see, when you tell the truth, the truth has a way of being easily confirmed in a lot of instances, right? The truth doesn't hide. 
So, um, you know, when they then decide that they're going to press charges, my lawyer said, okay, we're getting ready for trial. Start going through and finding all your emails. Let's start printing stuff out. Let's get our evidence bundle, everything together. Well, lo and behold, I found the email. I mentioned it, but I couldn't remember if I'd sent it by email or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, I would have told them that. I find my smoking gun email that said the exact same thing I said in my police interview verbatim. You're asking for certificates before the course is finished. I even went on to say, but I prepared them in advance, as I often did, for the students. Do you want a copy of those? When I produced that email, my lawyer was like, why are they even prosecuting you? This email alone is open and shut, BC. These government people didn't bother to tell the police the full story and the police didn't dig into any correspondence or emails. And they certainly, the premier's office at the time, Miss Julie, Judy, Julie, what's her last name again? I can't remember, from West Bay, Powell. Judy Powery? Powery. She didn't say, oh yeah, well, we got an email from Sandy where she said X, Y, Z. Because that email would not fit their narrative trying to make me out to be a dishonest person. But it was in black and white. It was in writing. My lawyer almost fell through his chair. He's like, what are they doing here? And do you know that even after sending them the email, they still proceeded with the prosecution? This is when you know they got a hard on for you. But now we know that that was all politically driven. Tar Rivers, according to when Winston, Winston, I wanted to call him Winston Churchill, when Winston Conley got on the stand, he blamed it on Tara. He's like, oh, Tara Rivers told me to pursue this case because, oh, yeah, now we finally got Sandy. That's what they were going around in political circles and saying, poor them. They don't know a thing or two about the truth, these politicians. You were nowhere near getting me. It didn't even make it to the jury. The judge said, you have to throw this case out. That's how slack it was. And then there was something else during the interview that the police asked me a question. Um, well, it was more of a, a statement like, oh, you issued a certificate. Okay, you say you've pre-issued these certificates. One of the certificates was so-and-so, was to this person. I said, mm, I highly doubt that because that person didn't take the course. They didn't get the, the funding from government. So why would I have prepared a certificate for them? And I put to the police officer right in front of my lawyer, I said, show me the certificate. Then he starts fumbling. Well, um, yeah, yeah, we got so many bundles of evidence here. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. And I said, oh, that's because you're lying to me right now. <laughs> You think you're smart. I'm like, isn't that funny? You put something to me that isn't true. I know with probably 97% accuracy that isn't true, or certainty, I should say. And when I ask you to show me the certificate, all of a sudden you and your little organized bundles are so disorganized that you tell me you can't find it. That's because it doesn't exist. So there are times when the police will put questions to you trying to entrap you and test your story in different ways. Well, like I said, thank God for the truth. The truth just has a way of setting you free. The other interesting thing he said, and I think women need to pay attention to how these guys think and the things that they do. He was saying that 90% of the women that he has sexual intercourse with, which like I said, I don't know how many that is, have no concern about any form of protection whatsoever. So the, the prosecution was like, oh, they're not concerned about an STI. And he's like, no, well, I go and give blood um, every so often. I'm a blood donor, so I don't have to worry about STIs. I was like, what, dude? Are you stupid? <laughs> you might not have to worry about, and that doesn't mean that you have to worry about it. I mean, you're getting tested for free, I guess, is what he was trying to say. 
So you might not have to worry about HIV and I guess hepatitis, because whenever you give blood, they will test for those things. But there's lots of other STIs. And for those of you who don't know what an STI stands for, it's sexually transmitted infection. There's a lot of other STIs that exist that a woman would be very conscious of. You're all going around giving each other gonorrhea and syphilis and all sorts of other things. So 90% of the women he's dealing with don't care about their sexual health. I was like, wow, y'all are something else. This is like next level crazy. This is what's going on in Cayman. Cayman actually has a very high instance of a lot of STIs, by the way. I've spoken to doctors and they're like, whew, if y'all know what we know, you'd be triple wrapping it. And so it's a little bit peculiar that this young lady who was then so concerned after the fact about getting pregnant would be in a position the night before to have sex with a total stranger and not use any protection. And she was not on birth control because she wasn't sexually active with anybody. It doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? But then again, he claims that 90% of the women that he's with don't care about those sorts of things. Um, hmm. Very, very interesting case. Now, what made this so much more interesting and compelling? Uh, there were little details, like something about him having his license suspended for five years. Um, he claims he was intoxicated. The text messages, he was saying something else, but oh yeah, we were both drunk and whatever, we were both drinking, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. So um, one tidbit is that this young lady has since dropped out of school and um, she is now an advocate for rape victims and she helps prepare them for court. Now, let me just say something for those of you who are thinking, well, I don't know if I believe her. No one is going to fake being a rape victim when they really were into him, they wanted to have sex with this man. Drop out of a, of a professional path. Like, like, let's say she was on a path to being a lawyer. This is what I'm telling y'all in a way. I'm not telling you what her path was specifically because, you know, we're not trying to identify who she is. But say she was going to the law school, right? She would have dropped out of law school, gave up the potential to be a lawyer, to be that level of, of a professional, and to earn probably decent money later in life, and has now become a rape victim advocate. Someone who is pretending to be a victim doesn't do that. That they're going to now dedicate their life to the cause of helping other victims. You don't fly thousands of miles from Canada when you could have gotten on a Zoom link and just gave your testimony to sit in a court of law in front of this man who sexually assaulted you not once but twice to tell your story before a judge and men having men cross-examine you that you don't even know and putting your testimony to the test if something really didn't happen. I'm sorry, but I would not believe it for a second. And so as I have said with all things, folks, we have to be a community that supports victims. Whether it's sexual assault victims, 
whose story you're like, well, why would she do this? Why would she do that way? Listen, in the moment, you have no idea how you are going to react to situation. How many of you have always played out in your mind, well, if this happens to me, I'm going to do this. And when it actually does happen, you don't do that at all. You do something totally different. You, you, you clam up. You don't respond in the way that you thought you would have responded. It's not as easy as that when you've been traumatized. I think that um, there's some lessons here as well. You know, we never want to blame victims in any way. But young ladies, take it from me. There's an underbelly in Cayman that is horrible and horrific. And a lot of it centers around parties and these nightclubs. They're slipping stuff in your drinks. They are roofing you up. They are drugging you. I've had young ladies come to me who've lost hours of time in their night where they were like, you know, I had one drink, but yet I can't not remember what happened. Next thing you know, I wake up and my underwear is like turned the wrong way. And this, that, and the next thing. And I'm with this guy and I'm like, what is going on here? Be careful. I know y'all want to go out. You want to have your drinks. You want to dance, whatever. You got to be careful. You got to have some kind of a buddy system. You got to find that one nerdy friend. I used to be that friend when I was in university. My friends would take me as a designated driver so they didn't have to drink and drive. And as the person who would kind of keep an eye out on them, I'm not going to let you be drunk and walking through the door with some guy. Now, sometimes your friends can't save you. They might not be able to help you. And you. this is where, again, you've got to be cognizant of the positions and the situations that you are in. I was never fraternity and sorority person. So I'm not going to no frat parties. I don't care about that stuff. When I was at USF, you know, they had frat row. They got all these fraternities, sororities. Oh, let's go to, you want to join a sorority? I'm like, no, thanks. I don't need y'all acceptance to live my life. I was in honor society for like Spanish and a few other things, but we weren't into that kind of life. You've just got to really, really, really be careful. And a lot of people in Cayman, so-called, um, at one point the, the, um, prosecutor said to him, oh, you know, you're pretty well known. Would you consider yourself um, a celebrity, local celebrity? He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> local celebrity, my ass. But that's what these guys think. Oh, because I'm a DJ and because I'm on the radio, everybody knows my voice. And they'd be like, yo, this is this is DJ Sandy. You know, I'm going to scratch me some records. Y'all want to hook up with me? Like, that's the attitude that they have in their head. And so they do think a lot of times that they're above the law and that they, if they see you and, oh my God, you're a woman, you've got a vagina, they've got a penis. They're like, okay, you must want me. It's as simple as that. Cause everybody wants me. I'm a celebrity. And it's like, no dude, you're a whore is what you are. <laughs> right? Not everybody wants you. Not everybody wants that kind of life. Not everybody wants to be exposed to STIs and STDs and everything else. But that's how they think. And they also see like, oh, you look nice. You dress a certain way. You're having a few drinks. Oh, you must want it. People, entire societies and communities and families have managed to raise men who have no respect for women. They just see them as sexual objects. And it's all about, 
you know, I want to have sex with as many women as I can. And that's the extent of it. Girls, you have got to be smart. Just like I tell these young ladies, don't be making these guys take no pictures of you. Because next thing you know, your pictures all over Cayman, social networks and Snapchats and this, that, and the next thing. Have a code word even. I I've done this even as an adult. <laughs> I remember one time I went to Florida. I'll tell you all this. I was an adult, like probably how old? I must have been like in my 30s. 30s? Yeah, probably maybe early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. Anyway, I'd moved back home and... Um, at this point, I was single, kind of like feeling my way out there. So I'd been talking to this guy for a minute online. He's from Barbados. And um, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm coming to Florida. He lived in, in where exactly did he live? Anyway, he's actually, a, a, I don't want to give away too much information here, but he's a Bayesian track star back in the day. So he runs a lot. I want to say that he lives in Atlanta. I don't even know. But anyway, um, I agreed to have lunch. So I'm like, listen, I'm going to be in Florida for the weekend. You know, he's like, oh, you know, let me drive up to wherever the heck he's driving from. Like maybe Atlanta, whatever. He's like, oh, I'll drive to Miami. And, you know, but you got to be careful with some people because when they drive from Miami, they have or drive from Atlanta to Miami to them. That's a couple hours drive for sure. All of a sudden they have expectations um, that that drive means that they're entitled to something. And I was like, oh, no, honey, child, you're entitled to treat me for lunch if you wish, but I'm bringing my own money. I can pay for my lunch. So we meet up at Sawgrass. Um, I think it was, I think he might have had a conference or something in the area. And so it wasn't that much of a drive after all. Like he was kind of close by because he had a work conference or whatever. So um, anyway, <laughs> I met him for lunch. And next thing I know, um, you know, he's making like certain advances and stuff like that. And I was like, no, TD, I just met you. We're not going nowhere near that situation. As it turns out, throughout lunch, I ascertained very, very quickly that I couldn't stand him at all. <laughs> Chatting to someone online is one thing. Mm -hmm. You don't get a real sense of someone's personality, though, until you sit down, you have a proper conversation, and you talk to them. And so when I started to talk to him, I was like, oh, my God, he's so arrogant. That This is a little bit of being, I don't... I, do I have any Bayesian friends, really? I hope y'all don't get insulted. But Bayesians are some of the most, <laughs> my personal opinion, Bayesians can be very arrogant people. Amongst the Caribbean people, they are like very, they think they're the shit. They think they're everybody, like everybody's cup of tea. I'm it. Look at me. Da, 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 da. And I was like, mm. intelligent guy, has a degree, professional former track star, loves to run and whatever, but his conversation and the, his position, we, uh, uh, uh. I was like, Ooh, honey child, I can understand why well, you got an ex-wife. So, um, <laughs> I was like, no, not feeling this situation at all, but I had a code word. This is back in the day when we said Blackberry messenger. So I had my little BBM, my Blackberry phone. And so that I told my friends, this is what you have to do. Because listen, I used to live in the States. I'm not about to get kidnapped by some serial killer. Somebody who was pretending to be a Bayesian guy, but I see him. He actually turns out to be some blonde hair, blue eyed guy who's about to kidnap me. I was like, step off. 
So I told my friends, I'm like, okay, Steve, Greg, Kevin, all, all my male friends, especially I'm in Miami. I'm here by myself, you know, but I'm going to go to Fort Lauderdale, go into Sawgrass and I'm going to have lunch at the Cheesecake Factory with this guy. Tell them the itinerary so that they know when I drive and I get there, I've just arrived. <laughs> I'm going to go have lunch now. And we had a code word. I can't remember what the code word was, but I'm like, if I text you this code word, that means that you call me and I get out of there. And that's exactly what we did. Now, the code word wasn't because I was in any sort of eminent danger. Like, I didn't feel like this guy was about to kidnap me and she's Kate Factory. But I was quite done with the conversation. And the guy was just like, he just kept going on and on and on. And ugh. And you know what? He had ugly toes. Can I tell you something about men with ugly toes? If you have ugly toes, don't call me. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's something about a man's feet. That if they're just not normal and he doesn't bother to like maintain his feet, I know this is a level of detail that's kind of weird, but if he ain't maintaining his feet, I don't know what else he's not maintaining and I'm just not interested. So I'm like, forget it. Ugh. So anyway, he decided to wear, and maybe he had like runner's feet because I know runners have really like their feet take a lot of punishment, right? So he had some toes and stuff that I was like, oh Jesus, no, I couldn't imagine those touching me. Oh my God. So anyway... I text my little friends the code word and they called me and uh, you know, the conversations, okay, Sandy, you got next meeting. You got to come to, you got to come right now. Da, da, da. And so I was like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Got this phone call. You know, I got to go. Here's my money. He's like, no, I'll pay for lunch. I said, no, 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 no. Because it didn't go that well. And my mind is what I'm thinking. I don't even want you to think that I owe you anything. I came with my own money. I put my, we, we went Dutch style. I paid for myself and he paid for himself. And that was just the end of it. And I was out of there like, like, like Flynn, you know, I was like, no, sir. Mm -mm. The funny thing is, um, I never saw him. Did I ever see him again? I don't think I ever saw him again, but we would still talk like online and whatever. Nice enough guy, but mm -mm. nah, not even, not even second date worthy, but women need to have, and they need to inform people, you know, have your code word. Uh, let your friends know where you're going and what your movements are. Now, of course, unfortunately, when you're out drinking, a lot of this stuff, despite having the best intentions, a lot of this stuff goes out the window because that's what alcohol can do to you. It can make you not think right. Oh, it's an unfortunate situation with DJ Renato. But... Um, I'm inclined to believe the victim 100% here. Now, we'll see what the judge does with the case. I'll certainly keep you guys updated. Good morning, Debbie. Aliano says, no tear my sheet toes for me, yo. Oh, no, honey child. Um, Your little brat says, maybe that's why Alden didn't respond. Why? Because he has ugly feet? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, Janetta says, I don't care um, how old my daughter gets. I will be the proudest mother smiling in my mugshot. <laughs> And rocking that uniform, which I pray to God I don't face such a situation. You know, as mothers, um, I feel like we all feel that way, to be honest. If someone ever did something to her child, um, we would definitely go, go ham on them. But you know, the sad truth of the matter is, despite feeling that way, like I said, you feel that way now, but when you're in the situation, chances are you're going to go to the police, you're going to try to follow the law. Very few people will grab the perpetrator and just beat the S-H-I-T out of them as what they deserve. 
Most people just very law abiding, child. Um, I don't know. Mm -mm. Shannon says you're killing me this morning. L M A O Eagle Claw Feet. Yes, child. Ooh. Mm -mm -mm. I used to have a guy. He was a police officer. Oh my God, I gotta tell you all about this woman who called me yesterday. I, I'm trying to get her on the show so she can tell you all her story with these prison officers. These guys are so disgusting in Cayman. Listen, we attract some of the most disgusting, vile individuals, I swear, in the Caribbean and from all over the world. They're just sick. Police officers, don't trust them when it comes to relationships. Prison officers, they're all a bunch of W-H-O-R-E's with a capital W. Um, who else? I mean, it's, it's 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 hard to find a good man at the Cayman Islands, y'all, because they're all about, oh, we're outnumbered. There's more women than men, so we want five women. I mean, they just next level crazy with that kind of stuff. They don't care. They can have one relationship and hide it from a spouse like you would not believe. And this was a story this woman was calling me about yesterday, but we're going to bring her on the show, child, because she has a cautionary tale. Strong will, says Sandy Bayesian. They're very proud people, especially the men, and they don't like black and they are black. Well, I don't know nothing about that because he had, he was a black, obviously he's a black Bayesian. And um, he uh, had children. I think he's two boys. I mean, he's black. And the, I, obviously the wife was black based on what the children look like too. So I don't know, but I just was not feeling those vibes, child. And like I said, the toes seal the deal for me. When I saw the toes, I'm like, the toes go with the personality. Ugly, ugly, and fugly. Mm, mm, mm. Isaline, good morning, Carmely says, how did you see his toes to know that they were ugly? Because he wore open-toed shoes. That's what shocked me. I'm like, if you have toes looking like that on a first date, try and hide them from people. Because you might get to date number two before I get to see the toes. But child, he came out loud and proud with those toes. And I was just like, Jesus, help me. Take the wheel. Good morning, Jonathan. He says, Shalom. <laughs> Woo, honey, child. So I was going to tell you about this one prison officer. He used to try to talk to me, but child, mm-mm, mm-mm, I was like, don't even, don't even look in my direction if you know what good for you. And he had the, he had the ugly toe syndrome, syndrome as well. He had a little curve in the entire feet. I was like, dude, of all the things to be curved, I'm not interested in the toes being curved. I'm like, no, 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 no. Keep walking. Get out of here. Anyway, you know, one of my pet peeves now when it comes to looking at people. Um, <laughs> uh, so somebody's like, how did you get to see his toes? They thinking more went on. I'm like, no, he wore, he wore open toed shoes. So good morning. This person says people talk about fight or flight, but they forget that people freeze. And a lot of women freeze when they're in situations like this. So it's unfair to say to these women, why didn't you fight him? Go out in groups and don't let anyone outside of that group buy you drinks. And not only that, but keep an eye on your drink. Because if you put your drink down, these guys are like slipping something. Even um, like waiters and waitresses now, a lot of them, although they're really busy, if it's a busy night, a lot of them are trying to keep an eye out for women because they know what's going on. And they also know certain guys have a reputation that come in there. And I'm telling you, a lot of these DJs, that's their scene. They love being a DJ because they're there to get the girls and that's all it's about. And so they're going to get you all liquored up. And if the house gives them free liquor as part of their gig, 
You know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I give her free free liquor, too, and this and that. And mm-mm. and one of the things the prosecution said is that Obar apparently is known for its generous drinks. I've only been to Obar a handful of times. Um, didn't they used to have a pool table or something in there? And at one point they were doing like comedy. They did a comedy thing. I think I went there once for, I don't even know. But she was saying that apparently they're known for like pouring liberally when it, they're not skimping on the liquor. I mean, I didn't even know that because like I said, I don't really drink, right? So this person goes on to say, as a gay man, I would go out with my female friends and watch how they get unwanted attention. I would then have to put my arm around my friend or go on the dance floor with them and dance with them so that the guys would leave them alone. It's sad what a lot of women go through. Perhaps women should go out with a trusted male friend, gay or straight. And I find many men will leave you alone uh, when they see another man with you. And then this person goes on to say, laughing out loud, I'm laughing uh, so hard right now. Ugly toes. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) I'm afraid to wear sandals around you now. (laughs) That is so funny. Oh, my God. Um, so this person says, I guess being a Leo and half Bayesian suits me as well. You know what is so funny? I want to say, I'm trying to remember his name now. He's still, I still, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Oh gosh, what the hell is his name? But anyway, um, I think I want to say that his birthday, I think he's a Leo too. And child, um, I still don't tell you who he is. Cause we have a mutual friend who's like a big Bayesian track star. And there's only a few of us uh, that would have co- friends in common. So I still won't be able to look him up again. Let me see here now. Friends. And then you look at mutual friends. Oh, Facebook is so handy. Yes, there he is. Because we only have the one mutual friend. He's still running, child. He's a big time runner. Um, still running with those ugly toes. You go, boy. <laughs> Keep running. Um... When is his birthday? I'm trying to remember. For some reason, I think he might be in August as well, you know. Yeah, he, he lives in Texas now. No, he's November. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Shows how much I was paying attention. Anyway, um, you know, nice enough to just say hello to once a year on Facebook and happy birthday. But not not too worthy. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, will the speaker resign today? Well, today is a deadline. Thanks for reminding us. Today is the deadline for him to do so. And then I don't know if he doesn't do so, what the premier will do. This person says, thanks for shutting down the victim blaming. He's a DJ for many years. I do believe he used to be taking advantage of intoxicated women. This victim should be praised for coming forward and stopping him. I'm telling y'all, this is a thing with these DJs. This is what they do. It's a whole fraternity of rapists. As DJs, and unfortunately, a lot of them do not see their actions as as that of a rapist. It's so sad. Right? Uh, Let's see what your other comments are. Why are people always deviating from the topic on hand? Good morning. (sighs) Uh, This friend says, good morning, Sandy. That bastard, it sounds like he might have used a date rape drug on her. I heard that there's a lot of that that's going on on the strip. And in any event, I believe he would need to get control. uh, In any event, I believe he would need that to get control of certain women. 
Well, um, you know, I don't know. And obviously one of the unfortunate things is if you wait past a certain period of time, there's no way to test for that. So there's no way to know if the two drinks that she had was just so loaded with liquor because Obar is very generous, right? That she really can't remember or if something was slipped to her. Because if you wait a couple of days or a week, there's no way that they can test your system to see if that was the case. So this person says, well, if she can tell all the details about the house not cleaning, she was not drunk. No, she got those details from in the morning. Y'all need to pay attention now. Don't say stuff like that to me because I get easily insulted when I feel like you're victim blaming. It's not like she walked in at three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning when he took her to his house with a, a, um, a clip. What do you call the little clips? Um, clipboard. Okay, clean toilet, check. Um, Non-crowed feet, check. Uh, clean sheets, check. No, it was when she woke up in the morning. Before he sexually assaulted her the second time. Why would she then get in bed with him the second time when your sheet's like all jacked up? Because you've been sleeping with all kinds of women and probably raping other women right on the sheets. The same sheets. You don't even change the sheets because your ass so nasty. She went to the bathroom after he raped her the second time. And then the dude doesn't even have any toilet paper in the bathroom. Men, how disgusting are y'all? You plan on a hookup and you don't even make sure at least your room, even if the rest of the house looking kind of jacked, you don't even make sure your room has nice clean sheets, a little scented candle, bathroom is nice and clean. So it's not a situation where she walked in there knowing all of that. It was in the morning when she was very much conscious and aware and was able to take note of her surroundings. Y'all love to victim blame though, you know. I I'm, I see y'all. That's why Makiva Bush has gotten away with some of his antics for so many years. Huh. That's why, oh, he don't want to resign now. Mm-mm-mm. Don't want to resign. They need a good slap upside their head. <sighs> Honestly. Mm-mm-mm. Unbelievable. So, folks, um, women, just be careful because... Around every corner, there's a man that does not care about you and is willing to take advantage of you. Nikki, good morning. Nikki says, morning, Sandy. You're making me die with laughter. I'm like you. Bad toes don't look my way. Chill. Mario joining us from Angola. How are you? Um, stored heading towards Jamaica. Sue, we're going to do a storm check-in in just a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Nikki says, uh, yes, uh, victims will freeze and also go into disbelief and blame themselves for being in the position. And I think what happened with this victim, based on what's coming out, as time passed, she she was obviously angry right afterwards, but as more time passed, she was able to really collect herself and to recognize what happened to her. And then that's why he then started to be like, oh, well, you know, we were both drunk. Why are you trying to make me be the monster here? And this and that, deflecting. Um, deflecting the blame on her. How can you just sexually assault someone and then talk about why are they making you feel like a monster? You don't think having sex with someone against their will, holding them down when they're saying no to you, doesn't make you a monster? Like, what kind of person are you really? Morning, caller. How are you? 
Good morning, mom. Um, I don't know what it is um, that got under your bonnet. Is it a bee or a hornet? <laughs> but um, you know, you're going to be down the soapbox. It's not going to be able to support all that you're carrying this morning. I would mm-hmm. say burn down. We can't have fire in the studio, so that's not possible. <laughs> that's all really bad. The soapbox seems to be under pressure this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah. I don't know what brought I mean, it on. You know, it, it's just one of those things I feel like um, talking about this topic is always very, very difficult. And I know that I'm I'm probably one of the few people in the community who harps on um, sex education, uh, protecting your children, protecting women who a lot of times are at a disadvantage. You know, I've known women who have been sexually assaulted and have never told a single soul. And at one one day I'm just having a conversation with a friend about a guy who happened to have been convicted um, for sexually molesting his own daughter, real POS, uh, this one from West Bay, um, David, David, what was it? Was he at Ebanks? I think he was in Ebanks. Anyway, he used to work credit union. You guys remember that case? Because he was taking the daughter to credit union and making her sit on his lap while he was grooming her and schooling her and making her watch pornography at his workplace. When that case mm. came out, yes, th- th- these are the kind of, perverts and stuff that we have amongst us caymanians i remember when that case came out and i was over at radio cayman talking about it in other cases his family members had the audacity to call in on the radio here this charlene they called in on radio and said oh i was just upset because i wanted him at some point and he didn't want me i was like y'all need to stop really are you serious <laughs> and these are the things that they do to try to deflect that we have monsters monsters among us and so, unfortunately, um, sometimes that deflection seems to work on this community. And I hate to see people do it, you know? But anyway, I was talking to a friend of mine one day <clears throat> about his case and about him. And she said, do you know that I actually went on um, a single date with him and he sexually assaulted me? I dropped my food that I had in my mouth, my soda in my hand. I was like, what? I had never. Listen. You think you know people? This is my friend for years. We have, you know, stayed together. We have spent time together. I never knew this story. And just in the course of having this conversation, because it is so difficult for victims to come to the point where they can tell anybody, I'm a victim. This happened to me. I know this guy. You know, and when we live in a community where people are like, well, why didn't she do this? Why didn't she do that? Why didn't she tell a pharmacist? He, as the alleged rapist himself, is trying to use that narrative on the judge. Well, she should have told the therapist that when she got the plan B pill, she should have said this wasn't consensual. I was just raped. It's like you people do not understand the psychology of being a victim. And putting that type of narrative out there is a form of victim, victim blaming and victim shaming. And it's really, really unfortunate. Years ago, I read a very interesting article. I need to see if I can put my hands on it again that talked about, um, I know I actually, I think I might've saved the link somewhere, but it talked about why is it that people are more inclined to victim blame? There's a culture of victim blaming that exists in communities, especially in the Caribbean. A child is 12 and 13 years old, and we talking about how she has lured a man into bed and how she has lured him into a relationship and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, what are we saying to victims as a community? But it, it's it's sexual abuse victims. 
it's children, it's adults, it's victims of a Makiva Bush. You know, like, oh, well, this person is very vocal and outspoken. If he really did bite her, wouldn't she be saying something on the radio? Wouldn't she? I'm like, what is wrong with you people? We need to stop. And, you know, speaking of Makiva, I was talking to one of his victims and they said to me, this is such a sad indictment on who we are as a community. But I was speaking to them last night and this is what they said. They said, considering that all, that already occurred, because I was saying to them um, that, you know, he just needs to be held accountable. They said, considering that that has already occurred and it didn't make an impact, why would anyone else be different? Why would anything else be different? The choice between power and standing up for the little people always sways on the side of power. You can imagine one of his current victims is saying this. They do not believe they will get justice. He will find a checkbook. Everybody has a price. And he will find a checkbook that is big enough to pay this off and to make this go away because you don't want to be the one to live in a community where people are going to look at you and said, oh, Sandra Hill was the one who finally brought McKeever down for his shenanigans because she finally stood up for him. And it's different because these women are Caymanian women. And Charlene, you know we have to admit that. As, yeah. a, as an expat, right? Oh, we were castigating that poor woman. Oh, she's a horrible bar manager. She was stealing tips from her workers. They came up with so many excuses to throw her under the bus. Now we have Caymanian women that he's doing it to. Upstanding women in this community. And we're still going to find excuses to, to give him a pass and to ignore his behavior. Well, you can't be a Caymanian and be part of this, bringing Mac down. This is the foolishness that, um, you know, there's a whole, there's a time article here about how sexual harassment law encourages victim blaming. That's not the one that I'm looking for. I really have to find the one I'm looking for because it was such a well-written piece. But these are the things that women have to endure all the time. It is just unbelievable. This is a topic I've spoken to so many victims over the years that is very near and dear to me. And, you know, I feel the same way, whether it's a Tiffany Connolly and her victims. Her victims have all been, well, her mother and sister are not men, but mostly men, right? They have a right to not be assaulted, to not be punched, to not be kicked in the nuts, to not be scratched up, to not have their glasses broken, to not have their cars mashed up, the windshield mashed in. They have a right to live free of violence. We all have a right to live free of violence, whether it's sexual violence, physical violence, you know, emotional and psychological trauma. So I don't know, girl. It's just every opportunity I, I get to talk about it, I try to, um, I think this might be the article I'm looking for. Let me see. This one is entitled, um, Why We're Psychologically Hardwired to Blame the Victim. I'm going to share this link. This isn't the one that I'm looking for, but y'all need to read this one too. Yeah. So, you know, when we start to ask questions, well, why didn't she do this? And if she had time to notice that, then was she really drunk? Does it matter? Does it matter if she had two drinks or five drinks? Does it matter if she was a little bit drunk or super drunk? You know, listen, the man has presented a story in court that has so many holes in it that it's, it's extremely unbelievable. But again, our victim blaming and how the system works leads us to be in a position where when you have a jury trial, 
the jury is more likely to believe you as the perpetrator. I sat in court, Charlene, where a man, hard back Rastafarian Jamaica man sitting down there talking foolishness about his 12-year-old daughter made up the story in him that he sexually assaulted her on four or five different occasions at different homes that they've lived in because he started when the little child was turning eight, nine years old, and she fabricated the story in her father because, oh, she wanted to go to a sleepover with some of her girlfriends where they were going to hug up and become lesbians. So he played the LGBTQ card and got the sympathy of these friggin' jurors who sat there and listened to all of this and couldn't pick sense from nonsense. And they allowed this man to walk out of there a free man. This poor child, what 12-year-old child is going to be telling you all these things about the only parent she's ever known her entire life? Because the mother's some crackhead and could never have custody of the child. So he's had her from day one raising her. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he start grooming the child, start rubbing up his penis on her, doing this, doing that. And it goes from one thing to the next. And y'all sitting there believing this child's going to make up this whole story because he wouldn't let her go to sleep over. I mean, I was so disgusted by the verdict. And when I came out of the, um, of the courthouse, he looking at me like he won't have a conversation with me. I was, listen, I gave him one look like Bobo, not today. I will knock you out right in court and then go back in court and sit down and say, I'm guilty for knocking him out. Don't talk to me if you're a predator. You can do that to your own child. You would do that to anybody. Or anybody's children. Exactly. Not me. Not today. I'm going to put a couple links in here. We need to be in a community that supports victims is my point. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. you know, this this subject is so involved and so deep that um, you know, I I don't know I don't know. It needs it needs a a longer um period of time to be able to discuss or discuss. Um, section one today, come back tomorrow, discuss section two, mm -hmm. because this is, this is involved and it's involved on every level, not many levels, mm -hmm. but every level, especially when it comes to children in a family, because where do they go? Mm -hmm. Do they go to the police? The police don't give good service necessarily to Trust grown adults. Yeah. Do they go to the counselor at school? Mm. Well, the counselor will tell them what I heard. Mm. And this is, they're all children. In this case, it was child on child. Mm. They're all children. They're just experimenting. Mm -mm. And that's good enough. And that happened. That mm. happened. And, I, and, and, I, and until today, I can't fathom that. But this, this topic really needs um, drilling down in. Mm -hmm. Because... Uh, you know, you 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 a child going to school and don't come from the environment. You have to watch for certain things. They're not watching for anything. I was going up with somebody they like, and yes, because I like him or I like her, mm -hmm. you know, they like go back and return. And oh, this could never happen. So it's happening while you're disbelieving. Yeah, it's basically what happens a lot. Yeah. You're disbelieving. Did that? Did did that touch? Did that <clears throat> current group just just occur? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, this, this, this topic really needs a little airing out. And mm-hmm. again, I thank you for that. I appreciate it, my dear. Well, folks, um, you know, y'all are well aware that I, I touch on it. And um, like I said, it's an uncomfortable conversation to be having. I get it. I understand. But the only way we can really ever get to a better place with it is we have to keep educating people. We have to focus on educating our children. We need to educate both men and women. So I've just talked about things that women shouldn't do when they go out. But it's not the woman who is being the perpetrator in most of these cases. It's the man. So why are we not teaching our young men to do better? Why are we not teaching them to respect women, to respect their bodies, to never have or even entertain having sexual intercourse with someone if they're unconscious or if they're intoxicated, right? We have dictated to our young men this attitude of bravado and doing whatever it is that they want to do. And there are no consequences. Well, there will be consequences in court. Speaking of consequences, today is the day of reckoning to figure out uh, what McKeever Bush is going to be doing. Like I said, Mac has been at this a really long time. And unfortunately, he knows that the only reason why the progressives or the government took him on board in the first place is because they needed him. And he's still needed in a way. And so this is going to be strategy in his part. He will not walk out of there empty-handed. Believe me, when I saw that post yesterday about, oh, he's claiming that he's an innocent man, he didn't do it. I'm not surprised. He never admits to doing anything. The half-ass apology that you got during the last assault was retracted once the video came out and people kind of gave him more credit than he deserved. He's not an individual that takes accountability for his behavior. Can you imagine? And I know he got to be pissed off at me, but guess what? I don't give a damn. Y'all hear me? (laughs) This is when you have true freedom. He don't pay my bills. I don't have to worry about him. I don't care. I speak the truth. I don't care about Pat government, and I don't care about him when it comes to truth. Listen carefully, folks. This man got some serious issues. But you can imagine being, is he almost 70 yet? And living this kind of life where you've never been held to account in your life? What a life. No wonder you feel so brave to even continue to touch liquor when you know the position it puts you in. But God will be your judge, sir. Your days are numbered. Get it together. Somebody sent to me the other day, boy, you putting your goat mad and Mackie soon dropped down with a heart attack. And I said, well, I don't wish that on anybody. But when you're 70, you're closer to death than not, right? So you would think that you would start to kind of act right. But y'all have given this man so much liberty over the years. That's when I heard about this so-called Pastor Clark who was defending him last weekend up in church. Pastor Clark, go sit in the pew. You need somebody to be preaching and praying for you, not the other way around. You cannot be a man of the cloth or a woman of the cloth and support this kind of foolishness. You're part of the problem. It's people like you. 
who are in leadership positions and you are leading your flock astray to continue to support a man who needs professional help. Today, he should resign. But like I said, don't, don't y'all be fooled. There's no way this man is resigning without something in it for him, because that's the kind of person he is. For as many of you who want to make the argument about... um. Oh, how much he's done for people. Fine. He's done a lot, but he's also done a lot for himself. Hmm? Truth be told, he's not made any sacrifices. <laughs> he has helped himself. Lifetime career, um, political, um, what the hell he is? Lifetime politician, getting two pensions for life, getting free medical for life getting $16,000 a month right now as Speaker of the House. Y'all feel me? These people are not um, selfless people. They are self-serving. They're in it for the money. Now, if you happen to get a little benefit from them in the, in the interim and in between them collecting their paycheck, good for you. Morning, caller. What is this? How are you? If life was any better, I'd be in heaven. <laughs> Beautiful. What's on your mind? Um, is there any evidence that proves that the speaker did what he did? What kind of evidence are you looking for? Statements from the victims? Or video or anything to that effect? Um, I don't know if the Ritz has cameras in that area, to be honest. I was kind of thinking about this because somebody else had asked me this as well. And I, I do not know. Um, I, haven't, I haven't paid that enough attention to the Ritz to see where their cameras are positioned. But here's the thing, Daddy. Okay. This isn't the type of situation like it was last time where he was like, taking a tub and throwing it at the woman, grabbing her by the hair and flinging her all over the place. This was a more subtle, this is a sexual um, harassment situation, right? So this isn't where he walked out and punched somebody. This is the kind of thing where a camera might not even catch the nuances of what actually happened. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. This is someone who can come and put their hands on you and the camera might've just seen the hand go around the wrist, but didn't see him grabbing your bonky cheek or that sort of thing. So I don't know when we talk about independent evidence, I don't know if there's any, and I don't know how much that would show, but that doesn't mean that what happened didn't happen. There's too many yeah. people who saw uh, it. There's no, too many no. people who well, witnessed it for there to be any question in our mind about what actually happened. Okay. Well, I want to get to that point now. I just wanted to ask, cause I, I'm not following this as closely as you are. Mm -hmm. So, so my question is, why isn't the victim stepping forward and the witness is stepping forward? Well, I don't know that the victims have not. Um, they are civil servants. So part of the issue for them is they believe that there are certain steps that the civil servants they have to take. And that is why the deputy governor made that statement. But no civil servant should feel that if they have been the subject of anything that they feel is criminal, that they cannot go to the police. Because one of them actually said something to me that made me believe that that's how she was interpreting her contract. That the only recourse she has is to report it to her boss and then have her boss go up the chain of command through the civil service. 
and that cannot be the case. But well, that's certainly that's not with a criminal matter. Not with a potentially criminal matter. Now, keep in right. mind, though, is sexual harassment a criminal matter? Huh? Yes. Have we criminalized yeah. sexual harassment? Haven't we? <laughs> it's a good question. Well, it sounds like you know something that I don't well, know. I mean, I don't. I don't think that we have not sexual harassment. Um. Well, no. I, um. There was. Uh, I don't remember the name of the bill, but um, what's her name? <sighs> Sorry, I forgot her name. No, she died. She was murdered. Estella. Estella Scott. Yeah. She. She. She was working on um, a bill. Before not long before she died that had something to do with you <clears throat> now okay so the from what i was i don't know if the bill became law but i think mm -hmm. it did i just just can't remember it right now mm -hmm. but essentially the way it worked was <clears throat> wasn't and because i said to myself well wow that that's pretty powerful and and it was that it was that the the way it was structured, it was if the woman felt um, threatened by or disliked you coming on to her, not 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 whether you intended to do uh -huh, something, uh -huh. but whether she felt that you intended to do something. Uh -huh. And I and I said to myself, well, I think that's the wrong way to have it, but that's the way that the conversation went between me and her and from what i can remember that was put into law but i well, could be wrong i'm just doing a quick search online and i see a headline here that says premier panton vows to revive sexual harassment legislation that was just july of last year which means that it probably is one of those pieces of legislation that has no teeth to it but, i mean there's mm. some, there is a sexual harassment Bill 2012, it says, what year is this article? This is 2021. Um, and it says it hasn't, if passed into law, would make it mandatory for employers to have policies. So that hasn't even been passed into law yet from 2012. Well, I, my memory here's, is telling here's another, me that this, Here's this. another headline from June of last year. The 16-year battle for sexual harassment legislation. Okay. So we well, haven't done anything. We've not done anything with it. The bill is there and we've not done anything. Thanks, progressives. Another thing that you, you've fallen down and let's sit on the books and do nothing about, but yet y'all want to talk about this government not doing nothing. Well, Wayne Panton, can somebody message Wayne this morning? He told another media house last year that he's going to do something about it. Uh, put it at the top of the agenda, please. So if there is no sexual harassment bill that has been passed into law, what protections do you think the woman has? These women have now, mind you, at the very at, well, the, at the very basic level in law, depending on what he did, it can either be assault and or battery. Right. And then that's what you have to resort to. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, let's put it this Denny, way. You have a daughter and you see the problem with these pieces well, of legislation. Regardless, no, but listen to me for a second. Regardless of you know, what actually transpired. I think it would be more beneficial if the person was to make an official complaint 
and the witnesses were to step forward. I'm not saying that they didn't. I don't know. I have no idea. Right. Well, I hope I do hope that they make a complaint to the police and that they follow through with that process. Uh, We did reach out to the RCIPS yesterday because already there were rumors in circulation that he already had paid these women off and that this was going to, you know, magically go away as other things have done in the past. And I reached out to the RCIPS and they said it is still an active investigation. Well, I hope the rumors are not true because that would mean that the people who just accepted that payment Mm -hmm. isn't really thinking about the consequences of what they're doing. Well, you know, this is the, this is the problem. Like I said earlier, they're going to be blamed for the ones that, Oh, you managed to finally take McKeever out. You know, Denny, I got to tell you something. Wait, 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 wait a second. What do you mean, blame? But this is this is victim blaming. This is what I was just talking about. This is what we no, do. No, no, I understand. I I heard what I heard what you said, but like that rationale just it exists in irrational. a real way. Yes, of course. But I know, but it's irrational. Yes, but a lot of people are not rational people, and this is what they do to make victims feel a particular way. You know, I was I was going to the event that night. And on the one hand, I regret now not being there. But on the other hand, I'm like, thank God I wasn't there. So maybe maybe in the universe, God was like, mm, girl, you don't need to be there because you're going to push this man off the balcony. <laughs> you think you think I'm joking. If I saw no, I, him I'm doing not, I'm not thinking that you're is, joking. I'm, listen, just, I'm just thinking. If I I'm saw thinking him doing gonna... what he was alleged to have been doing, I am not the person who would have sat by silently and just whispered like, oh my God, Nikiva's being disgusting. He's drunk again. Denny, I would have acted in the moment. That's well, that's what in my head. I, I, no, I believe you, know I mean? I believe you. But the reason why I laughed was because I was thinking about what the, what the image on the screen would look like now with bars between you and the audience having a discussion. Self-defense. About it. Defense of another. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's seriously, I think that I, I hope that the the victim the victims are stepping forward and the witnesses because you see nobody is gonna ride in on a white horse and save anyone from anything like this. Mm-hmm. Not even a Sandy. As well-intentioned as she is, or, or as you are, it's not going to happen. What needs to happen is people who are have wrong done against them need to have it prosecuted so that mm-hmm. the behavior will stop or be significantly reduced. Yeah. Here's what one woman just said. She said, men praying on women is normal in this society. The speaker and the DJ have been doing this for years without consequences. It's past time they be held to account. And that's the thing. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's surprised when it happens that people are being honest. A lot of people know the behavior of certain individuals. Um, you know, if they finally end up before court, you're like, oh, my God, this is like 50 times later. You know, and that's why I think that a victim has an obligation. I know it can be a heavy burden to carry. Don't don't for any minute think that I believe this is something easy for victims to do. But you have an obligation to step up, to stand up, and to speak out. You know, because you well, could when, be well, helping other victims. You could be stopping this person from doing this to somebody else. 
Yeah, well, when I heard you talking about your case with the um, certificates, mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, why is it that the law would be taking the position of ignoring evidence? Right, and I I was asking myself, okay, if the law is taking this position, mm -hmm. it, why why would the law have a penalty uh, against you if it if it was true mm -hmm. that what they were alleging was true, mm -hmm. but there's no penalty against them for ignoring the evidence? Ah, oh, boy, because. They're, they're, they were clearly doing something that was not what the law was intended for. Yeah. The problem is, how do you stamp it out? You stamp it out by having punishment. Like, that. Yeah. let me give you an example. If you turn the stove, turn the burner on your stove on, on high until it's red hot, how many people do you know would like wake up in the morning and just put their hands down on the red hot burner not if they've ever seen consciously a before. that's right and you see without consequences the behavior will continue mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if the consequences are immediate and they're harsh it works mm -hmm. so just like somebody come to beat you up or whatever and you break their arm you break their leg or worse than that, in self-defense of yourself, that sends a powerful message. Okay. Well, one so, of the questions that people are asking here is when will women ever get the right to any sort of self-defense in this country? I had to remind someone well, last wait, week. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, Sandra, do me a favor, please. Please. Really? We're asking when we will get the right to self-defense? We have the right to self-defense. So we can carry mace. That's an in that's we can an carry in, pepper spray and we can carry tasers in this country. No. It it's an inherent human right. It's not a right in law. Of self-defense. Listen, listen to me, Sandra. I, 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 know, I, I know I now understand what you mean, but you said it wrong. Don't say that we don't have a right because we do well, have a right. Well, if it's illegal to do so and you could get in trouble for carrying out a taser or pepper spray or whatever, do you really feel like people are going to believe that they have a right? Okay. What you're talking about is a means by which you can exercise your right. But but don't say we don't have a right. Of course we have a right. Well, what, what means uh, do we have in this country that's actually lawful? Firearms. So you think that if every woman so you, went out you, there, you, if your finger, I know you can type really fast. And, no, 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 I'm just saying if you I, think every, no, 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 there, just let me let's let's do this exercise for just follow follow along for a second. Let me have a monologue today. But don't you do that every day? Search. So, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to you do that every day. <laughs> uh, okay, so right now we're actually having a conversation. By the way, okay? Denny. You, you do know that you can have your own show in Bobo 89.1 FM? I meant to tell you this the other day. Just call Chuck and those guys, and you know you can pick a time slot that's available. You pay for the airtime, and you can have your own show. Just an FYI. 
just in case you're inclined okay. to do it. I'm not inclined to do it. <laughs> Why not? I know you. I know you can type fast. Look at the firearms law, section eighteen one a. It says no person shall discharge a firearm within forty yards of a public road, or in a public place, except in the lawful protection of his person or property, or the person or property of some other person. End of quote. Mm -hmm. So, not only do you have a right to defend yourself, but Section 18.1a of the Firearms Law says that you have the right to defend yourself by means of a firearm that you lawfully possess. Mm -hmm. So, what you're talking about when you say we don't have the right, what you actually mean is we don't have the desired means by which we can defend ourselves, but we do have the right to defend ourselves. Agreed? Mm, well, for me, if you can't, if in simple layman's terms, if I can't walk around legally with pepper spray, uh, mace, or even a taser, then I don't have a right to do those things. No, no, you don't have a right to do it by those means, but that so doesn't mean you don't have the right no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that the right to defend yourself is completely separate from a means by which you can defend yourself. And so you can defend yourself with your hands, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have an object, just your hands. That's you're exercising your right of self-defense. But you where do appreciate that's appropriate. that a lot of women going up against a man um will not uh, th their hands and even if they're kung fu artists you know that might not be you know the which is option. why i which is why i advocate for certain means but the point that i'm trying to make to you is that when you describe the right to use a certain means as meaning you don't have a right i'm saying to you that that's inaccurate you do have the right so when you say we don't have the right, the legal department will say, well, well no, that's, that's not accurate. You do have the right. Mm -mm. What you don't have is a legal means by which you can defend yourself by certain objects. For example, you can defend yourself with your car. You can defend yourself with the chair self-defense of the chair that's at your dining room so table. For, so you're trying to tell you, me if I run the rapist over afterwards, I'm, I'm good to go. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <clears throat> I'm not talking about, I'm not limiting the conversation to rape. I'm saying that self-defense, the simplest way to think about it is like this. You have a right to self-defense mm -hmm. by whatever means you lawfully possess but that's the point that i'm making the lawful possession because even if i'm walking around at something that is not intended to be a weapon say i got a machete in my car that i'm using because i'm going to chop bush that can be held and you can be arrested for that because the police will say this is a dangerous weapon and you shouldn't have it on you now i my defense might be hold on i'm a gardener and so, therefore, I need access to machete. I need access to my shears and whatever. And so that would be a defense to the charge or to the accusation. 
if I'm a woman, I'm not a gardener, and I'm I can't walk around with a machete in the car like that. Well, actually, you, uh, well, actually, you can have a machete in your car, but if you look at the legislation carefully, you'll see that that's talking about at night. And the reason that was put into law was you remember when um, the place to hang out way back was down by the cinema, where the marquee, um, where you have office supply now. That used to be the place where people would hang out after the nightclubs. And what would happen is that people would get in fights and weapons would be brought out. And the way that they sought to address that was by saying, well, you can't possess certain, you can't possess, possess knives over a certain length blade, or you can't have machetes or other types of objects um, at, at, during night in the vicinity of certain places so it so that 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 law wasn't done to say you can't carry a machete if, if because that that's impractical what what they were seeking to do was to draw balance so that they could deter people having weapons on themselves at night where at the during the times in which it was a problem, not during the day in which it wasn't a problem. And so it's, that's not entirely accurate to say that you can't carry a machete. You can. All right, my dear, if do you, leave me there. But, but no, but no, we're, we're stepping away from the conversation without you acknowledging that you do have a human right of self-defense. But Denny. Regardless, I, regardless of the fact, regardless of the fact, are you waiting that you might have me? not the means you want? When you, no, say, you said when that you we don't have the when right. When you say acknowledgement, what what do you mean? You you need me to say yes. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean that when you say we don't have a right, I'm saying that's inaccurate. Well, what and I've I'm explained saying is for the why it's inaccurate. Person, they do not. They they're not going to delve into the nuances of the law and the legislation as you has. The average person wants to know, do I have a right to carry mace? Do I have a right to carry pepper spray? Do I have a right to carry a taser, right? And the answer to all of those things is no. But that's not what you said. That's what you I'm saying. You said whether we have a right, you, no, you're changing your story now all because right. what you did say is we don't have a right of self-defense. And I'm saying that the police, the police oftentimes say things in a way to discourage people from wanting to defend themselves because they see that it's they think that it's their responsibility to defend you the only problem with their logic is that they're not considering that you might have to survive an attack before you are able to call them mm -hmm. and so in that case you would probably be dead all right leave me but there in, this is okay. I so we have we have the right of self-defense. All right, I appreciate it. All right, bye. All right, folks. Um, you know what you have the right to that just doesn't seem to be happening. Y'all have the right to learn how to drive properly. Another accident on our roadways this morning has just happened by the CNB roundabout. Let me show you this hot mess of a situation. Um Tourists driving in the wrong direction mm, mm, mm. in a roundabout.
I tell you, these roundabouts are confusing to these people because they've never seen a roundabout in their lives. Here, you know, straight into truck, no less. The truck just didn't have enough time to stop, I guess. Doesn't look too serious. But somebody car gets mashed up this morning. Rental. Tourists confused. Um, I wonder what direction they were coming from to go into this roundabout in the wrong way. I'm not really quite sure where they were coming from, but there you have it. Wrong direction. So if you can avoid that, that's there by um, Midtown Plaza. Avoid the area if you can. I'm sure the police are probably on the scene by now trying to uh, get this situated. Mm -mm. What a hot mess. Roundabouts are tricky in any event. And it's even trickier when you just haven't seen one and you, you know, two lane roundabouts and this lane going in that direction, next lane going that direction. You got to really be paying attention. So uh, hopefully everybody's okay. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listen, we've got MPs here that are being paid a pretty penny. I want to talk about their salaries for a little bit. Um, Brother Chuck. Tell me how I may stay with the time today. Uh, anybody coming up after me? But I got to be very punctual. Someone says cars are driving left and he went right. What was he thinking? Coming from the airport, he drove right. So coming from the airport. Oh, I was outside the bank. Couldn't believe it. Cars driving left and he went right. What was he thinking? You know what probably happened? He probably literally just got off the plane, picked up that car. And he wasn't thinking. It gets a little bit confusing now, you know? Trust me. How many of y'all, when you go to Miami, you end up driving on the wrong side? It, it's, it's happened to me a few times. And I drove in, I learned, I learned how to drive in Florida. Got my driver's license in Tampa. But when I go back, the brain takes a minute to adjust that we don't drive on the, where do we drive here? Oh God, I always got to think about it. Here we drive on the left and there we drive on the right. Yes, I think that's it. <laughs> It's actually a little bit easier when you're on a bigger intersection because you, your brain kind of knows to follow um, the flow of traffic. But if it's like just a one lane, you know, one way, the brain is like, go this way because for the past year, you've not been traveling or two years or whatever, and you end up going the wrong way. So, I mean, the brain can get a little bit out of sorts. But yes, we drive on the left. <laughs> I have to always position myself in the car. I'm like, okay, what side of the street am I on? We drive on the left here in the Cayman Islands. So just be careful. Jonathan says you can probably legally be allowed to possess a firearm at your house and property, but you can't carry it around um, at all times and on your person and in public. Yeah, we don't, this is not Florida and this is definitely not America where you can have, um, what, what are their, their gun laws called where you like conceal it, open conceal or whatever? where you can literally have it on your person like you're at a, a Western shoot 'em up You have your little gun holster uh, and you have it right there. Perilla, mm -mm. what a mess. Um, so let's talk about MP pay. This is going to be kind of the primary topic today, but I know we've gotten off topic a little bit. So yesterday I was doing some, um, oh, you know, the irony of it is they've actually ran into Rubus truck. 
they ran into gastro. Well, that's ironic, but then it's also kind of not funny because thank God it wasn't a worse accident than that because they could have, um, you know, you you running into a gas truck that's carrying fuel, that, that can be kind of dangerous. I'm just saying. Mm, a mess. Anyway, um, <clears throat> be careful out there, folks. I know y'all in a hurry to go places, but you get nowhere quick when you have an accident and you mash up your car and you mash up other people's cars and then the police have to be called and yaddy, 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 and the whole nine yards. All right, so uh, be careful out there. Poor Rubus. They're like, yes, now one of her trucks is down. We're trying to get fuel quickly to the gas stations. Speaking of gas stations, go fill up. Don't wait until Sunday night when the storm's coming. So another person says the rental was on the inside lane and tried to exit at Elgin Avenue. The Rubus truck was taking the next exit. Oh, so the rental cut right in front of the Rubus truck and got T-boned. Yes, and people do this all the time. Listen, if it's a two-lane roundabout and you're on the inner lane, so you're hugging the actual roundabout, you can't be there and cut across and try to go. People do it with the ALT roundabout. Like if you're in that inner lane closest to the actual middle of the roundabout, right, even AL Thompson's, and you want to go to Kimana Bay, because what you end up doing is the person on the outer lane who's going to Esterly Tibbets, you're now trying to come over into their lane. That's not how you do it. If whatever, wherever you want to turn, be the closest to that point. So if you want to go Esterly Tibbets, be on the outside lane to go into Esterly Tibbets. Same thing with the CNB roundabout. If you're coming, it depends on where you're coming from, but it doesn't matter because if you're coming from airport around the roundabout or you're coming past um, uh, the the what's it called? The farmer's market, right? And you're coming into the roundabout, you need to decide which direction you're going. If you're going to CNB, Elgin Avenue, you need to be in the outside lane. Don't be in the inside lane and then trying to cross over. I would say that that mistake right there is the number one um, reason people have accidents. So we're going to go into a little bit of overtime today. Uh, right. So let's talk about MP salaries because I was um, had someone digging up a little bit into this for me yesterday. And some of you might have garnered um, what I was doing because I posted something that got people to thinking, right? Here's a question for you. What would you think of an MP who ran on the following ticket? Somebody did remind me that Trump kind of did this, but you know, Trump is a liar, but we're not getting into that. That they said to you, listen, MPs make 10,000. Hold on here now. Um, let me get the information. They're on grade D.1. They're making $10,876 a month, right? Hypothetically speaking, say I decide I'm going to run for office. So say, say I'm going to run, I don't know. If I were going to run, where would I run? Ooh, 19 constituencies. I'm technically a Georgetowner, but I don't really live in Georgetown. So would I ever run in Georgetown or we got Baden Town? Anybody ready to take out certain people in Baden Town? Hmm. All right. Pick, just pick a district. Doesn't matter. This is a hypothetical. Say I decided to run in a district and I said to you, um, I don't need your money. I don't need the $10,876 a month. Listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Because I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday. I don't actually need your money because... <laughs> 
my bills get paid. And at some point, the question becomes, how much money do you need? My pills, my bills get paid. I have enough that if I want to go in a store and buy something, I suppose I could do it. It's not going to put me under undue pressure. Uh, this is a two adult household. So I make a little bit of money. My husband makes money. Uh, we're able to pay your bills. So bills are getting paid. So say I said to you, right, I'm going to run for public office and I'm not going to take a salary. Instead, I'm going to take that $10,876 and help the people in the community with it. So every month, and the help can come in many different forms, community projects that we don't have to be waiting on government to, oh, send out a tender, send out a bill. We're going to, we have to wait until planning can get around to telling us how it's going to be done. We're going to wait on this one. But you see, politicians don't have the luxury of necessarily doing a lot of things because then it's like, no, 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 no. That doesn't fall under you. That falls under NRA. That falls under plans. So you can't just be going over there changing streets. But there's a lot that you could do in a community, everything from beautification, educational programs, after school care. You know, there's, there is a lot that you could do. And everything you do, believe me, costs money. Nothing is free. So imagine finding someone who could say to you, I don't need $10,876. I will work for the people for free. I'm planting a seed right now in your brain. Because remember yesterday's show? We we're talking about how for some people, it's all about the money grab. A lot of these MPs have never seen $10,876 in a month. Hmm? Right. I'm, I'm telling you, well, not from any legal sources. <laughs> I don't know what else they might have been getting it from. But let's be very clear. They've never seen it. And so to them, that's a lot of money. And imagine now, imagine little old me saying, oh, yeah, $10,876. I want to become Speaker of the House. Your salary then goes from the D1 so grade D, point one, to B4, and the salary for the Speaker of the House is a whopping $16,876. Are y'all paying attention? Damon says, what? No degrees and no experience and you can make $10,000? Yes. It is why every Tom, Dick, Harry, Sally, Ebanks, Powery, Johnny Doe, Bobo, and TD feels like they want to be jumping up into politics. Listen to me carefully, people. When I say it's all about the money, I'm not trying to insult people. But I could go down the line and tell you which of your MPs have never seen 10,000. Uh, what just how much I told you? 10,876 dollars a month in their lives. And they're still not happy. They still want more. Listen to me. I'm a born Caymanian. Half, a born Caymanian, half raised here. Mostly raised in the States. So I guess half bred here and half raised here. Is that the way I should say it? But I'm a Caymanian who believes in earning your stripes. My Aunt Lottie never told me you get nothing for free in life. That's why I was busting my balls 
figuratively speaking, working hard in high school, getting the grades, working hard in university, getting the grades, trying to do my part so I could have a profession that would pay my bills if I want to live a certain lifestyle. I've never wanted to be teetering on the poverty line. That's why I don't have no 50 million children. Okay? Because I'm like, those decisions impact my bottom line, literally. Hmm? That's why I don't want no deadbeat man who is taken and not contributing to the household. You make decisions that work in your favor. But I believe in earning what you get. Nobody is going to give you anything. So when we elect officials, we give them a job straight out of the barn, making over 10000 call it almost $11,000 a month. Now, you do see that when people step up to the plate who are no degree, uneducated, they've never even made the sacrifice. That's a lot of money. And I don't mind paying MPs well, and I'll tell you why here in a second. But you need to perform for that. What are you doing for $10,000 a month? There are people in the real world who have to hustle really hard who can't even make $5,000 a month. And what are you doing? Being invited to luncheons, showing up in your little fancy dresses, you put on your little hat. You know, they, they feed you more than anything. Well, Sean, I'm not really paying much for food anymore because every event you go to, they got either finger food or, or full three, four course meals, right? You get invented to, invited to CTO uh, um, events. Well, that was two nights there that you didn't really have to pay for food or drinks. So you take advantage of all the, these are benefits that come with the job. This prayer breakfast, that breakfast. People always feed me, honey child. That's why some of them get so nice and plump when they're in office. All kind of benefits. Oh, I'd like to have a business meeting with you, MP Sandy Hill. Come. And then they can feed me at the business meeting because they're trying to convince me. We'll buy you lunch. We're going to buy you coffee. Buy you your nice salmon bagel that you like so much. I'm like, oh, honey child, bring me the overnight oats today. But you know what happens to a lot of the money? Now, this is where I blame the people. Because the people who like to beg a beg eh? oh, you're an MP now. I'm going to come to you every month because you need to be giving me money. And some MPs are all about that life. They got every drug addict in their district, every beg a beg person in the back pocket, handing them out money. So that $10,000 doesn't stretch far when you have constituents that you're constantly giving out to. And you still have your own bills. You got four or five children because some of these MPs got a bag of children themselves. And how many ex-wives that you have to be supporting and you got to be paying off. Not to mention then they're trying to live the big life and got the girlfriend on the side, the Spanish chica. That'd be like, oh, papi, I want some money too. I need to get my breast done. And she's out there begging breast implants, vagina tightening and everything else. So their lifestyle is elevated and they realize that, wow, they end up spending a lot of that almost $11,000. Another $6,000 could go a long ways for some of these guys. So it goes from $10,876 to $16,876. Folks, I am no mathematician. Y'all know already that I have to pull out a calculator. But that seems to me that that's a $6,000 difference. 
Hmm. That's what Mr. Bush is making, by the way. 16000 at least $876. That's the bare minimum. And you can't behave yourself? You can't get therapy for your drunkenness? What the hell? Parliamentary secretaries. Now, they made a the whole bunch of them parliamentary secretaries. They're on the D1 scale, so they're getting their $10,876. They get an additional duty allowance of anywhere between $1,000 and $2,000 per month for being a permanent secretary. I mean, a parliamentary secretary, my apologies. Right? Who are your parliamentary secretaries? Do you know? Okay. You have Miss Heather. You have Isaac. We have Kathy Wilkes. Who else is a who else is a parliamentary secretary? Um, so my apologies if you're not a minister. They gave a lot of them parliamentary secretaries positions. What is what were parliamentary secretaries called again? They used to be consulars. So same thing under um, the progressives. So like Austin was a consular. Who else they had? So that's people who make up the party because everybody can be a minister, but these people are supposed to be support supportive. Oh, John, John is also a parliamentary secretary. So they're supposed to offer support to the ministers. And a lot of times they act in the minister's position if the minister is unavailable. Yeah. So they get this duty allowance. Yeah, so Kathy, Isaac, Heather, and Dwayne are the current parliamentary secretaries. So now y'all know why Dwayne jumped over, honey child, because he went from making $10,876. I don't know if he gets the $1,000 or the $2,000 or whatever, but now he's at least getting a couple thousand dollars more. What do ministers make? Let me see now if I got that information. All right. Starting salaries. Hold on here now, GD. Uh... So here we go. And remember that they do get other allowances and stuff as well. We went through this before the election when the progressives gave themselves a pay raise and by extension gave everybody a pay raise. And I was talking about all these additional allowances. So Ms. Juliana, for example, the BRAC MPs get an allowance because, oh, they have to be traveling back and forth and all kind of stuff. Yes, honey child, they get enough allowances to go around. So look here. Okay. So this is what it's at. Starting salaries minimum of of January the 1st, 2021. The premier is on grade A.5. So his starting salary is $19,575. Deputy premier, $18,631 because he's at grade A.3. Speaker, grade B.4, $16,876. Ministers, right below the speaker, Grade B.1, $15,673. Even the leader of the opposition makes a little bit more. $12,695. So all these other people, deputy speaker, deputy leader of the opposition, parliamentary secretaries, right? They're all on the grade D.1, $10,876, but they also get additional allowances. So the deputy speaker, Kathy, might already be making another one or $2,000 on top of the $10,876 that she's making. 
Same thing with the deputy leader of the opposition. Is that still Alden? Is he deputy leader? I don't even know. I'm pretty sure he is. And then, of course, parliamentary secretaries as well. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question, is this scale, does it vary depending on anything else about the person? Like for example, does a speaker ever come in? This is the minimum, but they do they ever come in higher than grade B.4? And if so, who makes that determination on and on what basis is it made? These are very, very interesting questions. So this stuff can be found in schedule one of, um, it talks about salaries, allowances, and other benefits of members of cabinet and elected officials. So let, let me see if I can pull this up where y'all can see this one. Uh, let me see here now. Uh, I'm just educating you so that you know. This, that's kind of small, right? Hold on. You know the people that you have working for you, uh, what it is you are paying them. Because you should know. Anybody here got somebody working for them that you don't even know what, what they're being paid? No. Somebody works for you, you know their salary. Am I right or am I right? So the MPs work for you, you should know what they're making. Simple. Hold on. I'm trying to open this up so y'all can see this. Okay. All right, let's do a little screen share moment here. Mm-hmm. Can y'all see? This is kind of, oh yeah, let's zoom in. So deputy speaker, speaker. So the speaker earns one increment for every four-year term completed as speaker. So an increment is a pay increase. Ministers earn at B1, then an increase of one increment for every four-year term completed as a minister. So Listen, you do understand that this is why people like the progressives don't want to give up power and 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 pay. Because hmm? the longer they stay in, the longer they stay control of the government, their ministers are making more money. Leader of the opposition, deputy speaker, deputy leader of the opposition, counselors. So they make a duty allowance of between 1000 and 2000 per month at the discretion of the premier, but shall not earn more than a minister. Well, God, that would make sense. This doesn't have the stuff about the... Um... So look at deputy leader of the opposition, earns an allowance of 2.5% of monthly salary for serving as deputy leader of the opposition. My question is, how many of y'all believe you get in value for money even? Are you happy with the performance of your MPs making this kind of money? It's, a, it's just a question for you to mull over. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see here now. I do believe that um, somebody says, please send me those documents. I do believe that, um, I know we had gone over this before, but again, members of uh, Cayman Brack get housing allowances, transportation allowances, all sorts of stuff that other people don't get. 
So them blockers, they be sitting pretty when they're in MP chair. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you all this one over here. So. Yep, this is, um, let me increase the size on this. This is the Parliament Management Act. Y'all need to familiarize yourself with this. Tells you about their office allowance. So they get staff and then they get an allowance which they can use to help pay rent and other expenses that might come out of the office. Wouldn't it be amazing if somebody stepped up to the plate and said, you know what, I'll do this job for free. I don't need your money. And I will take the $10,000 and help the people every single month. Audits, uh, accounts and audits. Yeah, they better be trying to audit some of them. Does this one contain the information on what the BRAC MPs get as well, like the additional allowances? Um, let me see if I look for travel. I feel like it might not be in this one. Anyway, I'll find that for you guys and uh, and let you know. But I do know that they get, I want to say, um, is it another $5,000 a month for housing and travel and all kind of stuff for the BRAC MPs? Yeah. Uh-huh. Does this have schedule two? Oh, yes. Here we go. Constituency allowance covers the cost of facilitating access by constituents, including office expenses, rent, utilities, supplies, and maintenance. You get $5,000 per month per elected member of the Legislative Assembly. Now, keep in mind that there are people who are making that who don't even have a constituency office, and they're still taking the constituency allowance. Because by law, they could say, oh, well, I'm going to use that to help people in the community, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how they audit what's actually done with that money. But that's $5,000 per month. The premier can get an executive allowance of $5,000 per month. Now, I understand that the premier actually doesn't take this stuff. Um, I don't know if this position has changed, but he wasn't taking it. And he was paying these sorts of things out of his own pocket. Because remember, he maintained his MP office. And to be fair to the premier and just fair to the process, I don't think he should be doing it out of his own pocket. I think he needs to take the allowance and use it. Because there are probably um, good reasons why they give you the allowance because then they can audit it and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I guess at some level, he just can't be bothered. He's like, listen, I've already been paying for the MP office. Um, I'll just continue to pay for it. And I'll continue to pay my staff that work in the office. And none of them fall under this Parliament Management Act. Leader of the opposition gets an executive allowance of $3,500 per month. So that's Mr. McTaggart. Only God knows what he does with that. Allowance for Cayman Brack and Little Cayman representatives. So they get an allowance of $5,000 per month, $2,500 for accommodation, and $2,500 for transportation. Now that is interesting because I don't know for sure, but most of the Brackers come to Grand Cayman, the MPs that is, and they have a place here to stay or they're staying with family. It's not like they're actually up in a hotel where they need the $2,500 accommodation fee, but they still get it. Still goes into the bank account. Huh? Same thing with transportation. What Bracker would need to come to Grand Cayman 
and get $2,500 per month in transportation. Where, where are you going? What, what is it that you ride in the brack? I mean, riding when you come to Grand Cayman, I mean, I know we don't have donkeys anymore, uh, technically. But I don't know. Suji says, I'm thinking of the Fre French Revolution already. Uh, Dacia says, I'm sure that the public already knew what MP Sallies were before they were voted in. This is nothing new. Really? Are you sure about that? How many, how many of y'all knew that your MPs were making almost $11,000 a month? And that your BRAC MPs get an additional allowance of $5,000 per month. And that they get another $5,000 per month for their office allowance. And they get staff. And now um, the, the progressives increase the number of staff. So, of course, they get, depending on if they're a minister, a minister, I think, gets two staff members. And some other people get like one and a half or something like that. How many of you knew all of that stuff? And this is no surprise. Just curious. Dacia says, y'all knew. There's no big deal. How many of you knew that the Speaker of the House was getting $16,000 a month to be acting like that? This severance pay section, we discussed this when the progressives put this in place. They've now given themselves an entitlement to severance pay if they're not, listen to this, if they decide not to stand for re-election. Listen how jacked up this is, right? So in other words, they quit the job. They are still going to get paid for three months. I mean, I have never heard of such cockamamie bang of a in my life. You quit your job and you're going to get a three-month severance pay. Let that sink in. So when Tara Rivers decided not to run again, right? She got three. She already was in the job. I don't know she, how much of a break she took between. But she got three months full salary on the people of the Cayman Islands. I have no idea when this was passed by the progressives why y'all sat back and did nothing. And that's who you want to put back into office? Y'all must be crazy. So you get it if you're not, if you don't stand for office, or if you stand for office, but you're not reelected. So all the guys who didn't get in, uh, what his name is, Alva. Uh, what's the one from Prospect name again? Um, oh, shoot. Alva was Newlands. Um, oh, gosh. Help me with my little friend. Uh, Austin, sorry. Austin got three months salary. Three months severance pay. Now, here's the ironic thing about it. Dacia says, well, their MPs are humans too and they have families. Nobody's not saying that. That's not the point. The point, Dacia, is when you know that somebody's making $16,000 a month and they can't even go out to a public function, a government function and behave themselves, do you not feel ashamed to know that the people's money is paying for that kind of incorrigible behavior? You don't have higher expectations of MPs who are being paid $11,000 a month to even answer your phone call? It's not about the pay. It's about what they are doing. How Are they actually earning the pay? Are you getting value for money? That's the real question. I'm not saying that they should be working for free. The irony is this three-month severance pay is only for MPs. The people who supported them, who worked in their offices, that's, yeah, that would be, you would fall into that group, right? You, you were, just as an example, you're working for an MP in the office. Guess what? 
you are not entitled to three months severance pay, but your boss is. You don't have a family too, since you're going to defend the fact that they have a family, although that wasn't the point. Do you have a family to support too? So every single Austin, well, he didn't, he didn't have an office. I guess he didn't have anybody hired. I don't know. Um, Alva definitely had an, an assistant, right? The second he lost the election, she's without a job and without a salary, but he gets a three-month severance. Jesus, have it make sense. Now, I have no issues with MPs being paid well and performing because the last thing you want to do is make your MPs poor as a pauper because every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes around and throws anything at them, guess what? They will definitely be grabbing that and selling you down the river. The real problem becomes when your MPs still can't get enough. They're not working for what they're getting now, and they still believe they have a sense of entitlement that they deserve even more. This is what I am talking about here now. That's a problem. You don't deserve anything if you've not earned it. If you have earned it, then good. We can, we can definitely support you getting another position. But if you're doing a poor job where you are in the moment, what makes you think Hurricane Fiona. that you should get promoted to anything else? It shouldn't happen. Hmm? That's my point. Pay attention to people who want to be rewarded when they have not done what they need to do for said reward. I'm just saying. People who work hard and they're happy to be rewarded for said work, then that's good. We don't have any issues with that. That's what we're all about. Okay. Being very, very clear here, I hope. Nobody's trying to hold you down. I'm trying to find my weather link that I'm going to put up. No one is trying to hold you down. We don't believe in that. But we also do not believe in rewarding people when they have not earned their stripes. Mm, mm, mm. Simple. Um, Charles says, Sandy, stop. Give the people a pass. Most have been elected more than once. And who elected them? Well, the people need to be educated. As Perla says, open your eyes. Because people are defending so much foolishness in this country when it should not be defended. Sujit says, this is the kind of stuff that fables are made out of. Luis, good morning. Luis says, this is the reason why they talk minimum wage increases in prices, gas, etc. It doesn't matter to them. They're making enough money to laugh um, all the way to the bank. And the real question becomes, with the minimum wage, we're going to have to have this discussion very soon, is who is the minimum wage going to impact? The ESO information is out, right? So we should see how many people are actually at minimum wage. If it's 5,000 people at minimum wage, increasing minimum wage will have a trickle-down effect that will impact all 70,000 people on this island. 
I want you all to really understand what that means. And the people who are earning minimum wage tends to be your domestic workers, retail, and those types of environment. Now, you're a poor Caymanian. You're not earning minimum wage, but you got a little salary. You're already struggling to pay CUC, helper, domestic wages, and so on. They increase the minimum wage. Now, you got to be paying your helper even more. Be careful with this desire. I'm not saying it shouldn't be reviewed because we need facts and we need information. But I'm telling you all to be very, very careful about this idea that you just Increase the minimum wage, and it's going to solve all of your problems. Increasing the minimum wage will have a knock-on effect on a lot of different things. That is what you call unintended consequences. And whether you intend it or not, once you begin the process and it has started, there's no turning back. So I do want you all to be very, very cognizant. Everybody, I hear everybody jumping up, increase the minimum wage. Even people who, who are not even in the minimum wage are saying increase it. But when it's increased, and it means that they have to pay more at the gas tank and they have to pay more now at the grocery store, they got to still be moaning, bitching, and complaining. Mm. Mm-hmm. Unintended consequences. Yes. All right. So let's have a little look at, um, I'm just going to pull up the weather here to see what is going on with the weather channel this morning. We also have news that we're going to play here in a second. Um, So, you know, the tropics, obviously we are watching very, very carefully at the moment, the weather channel. Let me just check another one. Doesn't have anything of interest for us. They normally do their updates on the hour. So you might've just missed an update. Um, One weather channel is watching Fiona as it moves North. So let me, let me show you what Fiona is still up to in case you didn't know. Fiona is still out there churning and causing a little bit of disarray. So um, let me see here. This is Fiona. So look at this. Fiona, oh, oh, let's get audio. I think we just got something. A very uh, a professional swimmer. Uh, rip currents are extremely dangerous. You can even take the best swimmer down. So again, just keep that in mind. I know it's fall break for a lot of schools. Folks may be close to the coastline. Uh, certainly something to think about. Now, here is Fiona with the latest update here at 11 o'clock Eastern time. 130 miles an hour. A cap four hurricane. Fiona was the first major hurricane here in the Atlantic for the 2022 season. Uh, but man, this guy just trucking along pulling north of Bermuda. Right, right now, tropical, tropical storm warning still in place for Bermuda uh, as we continue through today. Had some pretty big impacts early this morning. Uh, look at those wave heights. So it's pulling up north of Bermuda, but still strong waves battering the coastline, the storm surge, the rain. We had some wind gusts well over 70 miles an hour early this morning. And then Fiona's not done yet. 
it is now moving up to the north, directly north, up through Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, getting into the Canadian Maritimes. And it is still going to be a pretty intense hurricane, even as it gets up into those areas. So look at Friday evening, still 120 mile an hour winds. Saturday morning, as it starts to roll through the eastern sides of Nova Scotia, 100 mile an hour winds. So still a very healthy hurricane as it continues to bring some impacts to this area uh, for the weekend. And then, as I mentioned, across the eastern seaboard, all the way down, we have high rip currents in the forecast. So again, I know the cold front's coming in, getting a little cooler. You may be like, hey, I'm not going to dip my uh, myself into the water. But if you do, please be very, very careful. Certainly going to be seeing the effects of Fiona. Chris? Well, whether it is updates on recovery in Puerto Rico or new alerts for the forecast affecting Cuba and beyond, Weather Channel and Espanol will keep you informed. It's the only 24-7 Spanish language source for weather information in the country. Stream it on local now and watch on YouTube TV as well. So we talked about steering flows, that front that came through that kept Fiona away from the U.S. The next one could impact tropical depression and calling. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how all of this works together, Chris. So, I mean, we have these other systems coming in, but it really affects where things in the Caribbean may go now. Yeah, and so, it all plays a part. Yeah, it all plays a part, uh, just the big overall scale of our weather. So I want to show you, though, what this front is doing today is, of course, the first full day of fall. And, of course, right now we've had a pretty big temperature change, especially across parts of Virginia. All right, so... Um, that was that. They pulled out of the tropics um, quickly. And um, yeah, so we are definitely, folks, going to be monitoring um, the weather in terms of, you know, what's happening. We've got to watch this um, this front that's out there because uh, it, it's something to be concerned about. Point, so that's preparation is key. That's what I can tell you. Um, at this stage, you know, there should be no surprise that this is coming. We don't know what form it's going to come at us in, but as they always say, prepare for the worst um, and hope for the best. And I believe that that is where we are at the moment. So Carla says, Miss Darlene Manzanera, she says $6 is ridiculous as a minimum wage. Let's get real. Um, Darlene, Perla says, you know, I love you. But I don't think they need any more. There was there was there to save their money during the four years. So once they are elected, they don't need to be, they don't need no more money. They enjoy the good living for their four years. Oh, I think that was in relation to another thing. Um, so Ms. Darlene was saying that they could be out there looking for a job for months. Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. And I mean, you know, I suppose if the people are real happy with their performance, that may not have been the case. Um, someone doesn't always get elected out because they were uh, necessarily not performing. But a lot of times <laughs> that's why they're gone, because they were not performing and the people just got sick of it. So um, it certainly is is what it is. Um, but you know, if they're out there looking for a job for six months, does that mean that you're going to turn around and give them six months worth of severance pay? Absolutely not. Anyway, this is one of the things that the last government definitely put in place, as well as all the pay raises, pay increases across the board. Um, Gabby says it should have been going up moderately through the years. Yes, yes, this, the minimum wage, and I agree with you. Um, yeah, Soka, that's been off for weeks now. I don't know what's going on. But um, 
that is absolutely the case, Gabby. And to be quite frank and honest, had the progressives done what they claimed that they were going to do, well, they said that they would do a, a review, a minimum wage review every four years. The minimum wage went in place in 2016, and they haven't done one yet. And yet now they're saying, well, why hasn't this government done it in a year and a half? So you need to start holding your elected officials accountable. Speaking of holding people accountable, this person wrote in on WhatsApp. They have an opinion here. They said, Kathy is a joke. You don't even see much less here from Bernie. Kathy only helps one set of people that no directly voted for her. Bernie's collecting for his office and it's been locked up for months. Ask how is Bernie collecting the stipend for the office and it's not even being used. Sandy put his ASS on blast. Well, <laughs> these are questions that the people have. And like I said, not just Bernie with his office, they're MPs who have never even had an office. Alden still gets the, listen, I checked a couple months ago with the lady who's in charge of all this stuff, parliamentary payments or whatever. And I said, is there any MP that isn't taking the office salary or whatever? So I know that he's been taking it for years, forever. And it don't matter. He's still not. All right. Here's your opportunity, folks. The storm is coming. If you have not signed up already for the emergency notification app, nens.gov.ky. Go and sign up now. Don't wait till you're in the middle of hurricane to try and figure this out. Remember, we had them on the show some months back and they went through the process of how you sign up. You got to do it from the website first and then it'll prompt you how to download the app and what to do from there. Please make it a priority because if something major happens during the storm, but the website isn't working. Why is the website not working? It's not coming up for me. Ugh. Anyway, try it for yourselves. It's not loading for me right now. But nens.gov.ky, go and try it. See if, um, if, if, if it will work for you, okay? All right. So I got to get to work. Here's your news uh, briefings from Kevin Wattler, and he'll include weather in this, so make sure you pay attention. Hello, I'm Kevin Wattler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. A 51-year-old man from West Bay who was arrested on July 1st following a search where a bulletproof vest was recovered has now been formally charged with possession of a bulletproof vest. He is appearing in court on Monday, September 26th. A man who attempted to use a counterfeit CI $100 bill at a business in Camembrack on two separate occasions was arrested on Wednesday. The police were alerted and arrested him on suspicion of uttering a forged note. Officers then searched the man's residence and recovered a quantity of ganja and utensils that appeared to be used in the consumption of cocaine. He was then arrested for the drug offenses. The Honorable Andre Ebanks, Minister for Financial Services and Commerce, as well as Investment, Innovation and Social Development, tested positive for COVID-19. Mr. Ebanks tested positive in a lateral flow test he took on Thursday morning and is awaiting the results for a PCR test. He will be at home isolating for the next seven days or until he has a negative LFT test result. 
Stormwatch 2022 is brought to you by Home Gas, your propane experts before, during, and after the storm. We continue to monitor tropical activity over the southeastern Caribbean. It is forecast to move over the western Caribbean in the next five days, and that's where we are located. There's a high potential for this system to impact the Cayman Islands early next week. Scattered thunderstorms, rough seas, and gusty winds are likely from late night Sunday as it moves over the Western Caribbean. Now, there still remains some uncertainty as to where it will go, but it's very important to start preparing as if it will hit the Cayman Islands as a storm or possibly a hurricane. In the next day or two, we should have a better idea of where it will go. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 614, partly cloudy skies expected. The day heats up to the high 80s, but it will feel hotter than that when the high temperature is at 87 degrees Fahrenheit and the humidity is around 70% like the forecast calls for. It will feel around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. The winds east-northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour and the sun sets at 620. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the low 80s. Looking forward, a typical summer pattern of hot days, warm nights with scattered showers is expected. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price and we encourage you to support them. Now for some regional and international news. Bermuda residents began boarding up properties and stocking up on supplies as the island braced for the arrival of Hurricane Fiona on Friday, a large powerful storm that has already killed six people across the Caribbean. Forecasters say the island can expect 12 to 18 hours of tropical storm conditions as Fiona passes before heading toward Nova Scotia. A Honduras court sentenced former Honduras First Lady Rosa Elena Bonella de Lobo to 14 years in prison Wednesday on corruption charges and misappropriation of funds destined for social programs. The 55-year-old will be allowed to appeal the sentence within 20 days. She was previously convicted and sentenced to 58 years in prison, but the conviction was tossed out due to inconsistencies in the process. She was retried in March and convicted of fraud and embezzlement. The Biden administration said Wednesday the United States Embassy in Cuba will be processing full immigrant visas in early 2023, making it easier for Cubans to reunite with family members in America. The embassy in Havana last processed full immigrant visas in 2017. The U.S. government will also stop requiring Cubans seeking visas in family preference categories to travel to Georgetown, Guyana for their interviews. That's it for now on A Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 